This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Hassan Reem with you. We got a Stanley Cup Finals matchup to talk about. We've got an NBA Finals matchup to talk about. We've got a great selection of guests from the local sports scene joining us today as well. Bombers, of course, won their preseason opener on the weekend in Edmonton. Very much looking forward to bringing back the uh, oh-so-popular Patty Newfeld from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to talk about training camp, the first preseason action, and a look ahead to, I guess, Friday for preseason, but more importantly, the home opener a week Friday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Mike McIntyre of the Winnipeg Free Press will join us. Looking forward to talking about the cup final matchup with him as well as the uh, continued discussion of the Winnipeg Jets offseason. And then later on, before we uh, get ready for the ponies tonight at Assiniboia Downs and do our cool bet lines, the beast from River East himself, Chad Posthumus, who scored the historic winning basket for the Seabears, his hometown team on the weekend, is going to join us as well. So going to be a really, really fun show. Welcome to everyone that's joining us on YouTube right now. Uh, if you're just finding us, Hit that red subscribe button and join us Monday to Friday, live, 1 o'clock p.m. Central here on the YouTube channel. Of course, if you subscribe, you'll have it in your feed if you're not able to join us live at your convenience. And if you are listening to us or finding us on YouTube, don't forget, Winnipeg Sports Talk is also available as an audio podcast. We crank that out right after the live show every day, right around 3.30 just in time for your drive home if you're working a regular 9 to 5. Uh, just search Winnipeg Sports Talk wherever you get your favorite podcast on whatever your favorite platform is. Uh, listen, big show today. Great to have you all with us. And a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen every day. Cool Bet Canada, new lock shop just dropped on both the Stanley Cup final and the NBA finals. Check that out on our YouTube channel over at Lock Shop Bets. Give us a sub there as well. Princess Auto. Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barbershop, the Gold Eyes, who uh, begin a road trip tonight. They'll be back at home next week. Assiniboia Downs, live racing this evening. Vita Health, Wallace & Wallace, F Apparel, the Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, Royal Sports, BP, Breezy Bend Golf & Country Club, Aikens Lake, and Little Brown Jug will tell you about a big piece of news that is official now. It's going to make Little Brown Jug and Bomber fans very, very happy. But let's get right to it and get Remus in here. Remo, what is up? How are you? What's up? Feeling good. I'm getting pumped up for this Stanley Cup final. Huh? Vegas, Florida. You know, I think I'm over hating these two teams. I'm here. I'm really excited. Are we going to see? Because we're going to see us. Either Paul Maurice lift the Stanley Cup over his head. I'm just like so thirsty for the image of that. If that happens putting it on our social media and seeing the reaction or us or Vegas wins the cup. And we see Gary Lawless lift the cup over his head. And I think he could join a pretty exclusive club of people with a gray cup ring and a Stanley Mm -hmm. cup ring. So I'm actually really excited. I think these are two great teams. They play similar style. Uh, I am fired up Saturday. It gets going. 
I, I love that you brought that up with our pal Gary. And I did text him last night congratulating him. And he, of course, like uh, everyone involved with the team, is pretty excited about getting back to the Stanley Cup final with uh, an opportunity to win four games and become champions. And, yeah, you sent me that text. And I, <laughs> I thought, you're right. Yes. Uh, it's, it's a pretty small group, I'm sure, that has Grey Cup rings and Stanley Cup rings. So uh, Gary can add that to the, uh, add that to the collection. Um, but again, of course, we joke with Gary and, of course, my long history with him and him back at the old station. But Vegas is sort of Manitoba's team, Reem. <laughs> I mean, as much as obviously the Winnipeg Jets are the home team. But when you look at, I mean, starting with Kelly McCrimmon and Gary and Shane Knighty and Darren Millard, uh, you know, from the off-ice group, but on the ice, I mean, there's King Kolasar with an unbelievable goal last night in the series-clinching win. Mark Stone, um, you know, a true star in this league, the captain of the Vegas Golden Knights, born and raised here in Winnipeg. Zach Whitecloud, um, an undrafted free agent coming out of the Manitoba Junior Hockey League, and one of the uh, NHL Indigenous players. And then Brett Howden, who, you know, was a late first-round pick that bounced around a couple spots that's really found a home. Um, if you are a, one of those people that likes cheering for players from Manitoba, it's pretty clear who the uh, the choice would be, and that is the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, yeah, we've often talked about that Manitoba Mafia from the get-go of this organization, uh, it just continues to grow. And now uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I'm very interested, and you know, we may as well do this right now. Get a why not question of the day for not Autocorp in the chat. Who you got? Who? Not necessarily who are you think is going to win, but who do you want to win? Are you pulling for Paul Maurice and the Florida Panthers? Or are you pulling for Vegas, who did beat the Winnipeg Jets? but also has all that Manitoban content. I imagine it's going to be probably pretty split. I'm putting out the poll. It's there. Boning it. You know, if, if Vegas beats or Vegas wins, I mean, it would be another Stanley Cup champion that took out the Jets in the first round. The other one was the Blues in 2019. And, of course, they lost to Vegas in the conference final, who did get to the Stanley Cup final in 2018, and lost to Montreal Canadiens, who made it to the Cup final in the in the bubble year, which everyone has forgotten about. It would never happen. They're trying to put that one in the rear view mirror. And, you know, I thought, and we haven't really touched on last night's game. I thought, you know, there's not much to touch on. It was a 6 nothing blowout. I thought we were going to see some more pushback here from Dallas. Is it Jamie Benn that sunk the club? I mean, 0-4 with Ben in the lineup. He gets suspended, and they go 2-0. and Is that a coincidence? Hustler, are we... Are we on to something? Although I will say, heading into the second period, Vegas was up, Dallas down. They had so many chances on Aiden Hill. They kept hitting him in the mask. I don't know if it was a giant target on there. And he stood his ground. And next thing you know, first shot of the second period, Jonathan Marcheseau scores and makes it 3 nothing. And that was really the game. And Vegas, they're so good. We saw it here. They're so good at sitting on leads and you know and, and protecting him and, and having whoever in goal – and making it easy, you know, making it easy on their goalies, and they did that again yesterday. I was shocked there wasn't wasn't a bit more pushback from Dallas. That's what Vegas does in elimination mm. games. Uh, they cause the team to not have pushback. We saw it firsthand. 
<laughs> hey, listen, they uh, they made no mistake about it. They they missed that chance to finish it off at home. I don't think they were too pleased that they had to make that trip to Dallas for game six after being up 3 nothing, um, and they waxed them last night. And, yeah, hey, I'm not a Jamie Benn fan. Uh, listen, I think he's been a great player for a long time, but what he did was just so stupid. Um, he missed the two games. His team won both games with him out of the lineup, and then he got back just in time for his team to get their asses kicked at home and lose 6 nothing for a very unceremonious bouncing from the Stanley Cup final last night. So uh, I did not shed any tears for Ben. Uh, there are some players on Dallas, even that they're a division rival of Winnipeg, that I really do like. I'm a huge, huge Rupee Hints fan. I think Jason Robertson is one of the most exciting young players in the league. And I'll give a lot of credit to Jake Ottinger, who is a big, big reason why they're here. And, of course, Miro Heiskanen as well. And that's the young core that's going to be the Dallas Stars core moving forward, moving off of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan. Although, if you pull up Cap Friendly and check out the Dallas Stars, um, those guys are going to be part of this team for a pretty long time. Uh, there's, what, two more years on Ben's contract at 9.5. And there's four more years on Sagan's contract at 9.85. So uh, massive investments. These are those final years of contracts that sometimes don't age as well. But they've already moved on. And frankly, they moved on from those guys being the central figures of this club under Bones. Um, and now, obviously, a great run. But, I mean, the guys that really got them there. And I can't forget about Joe Pavelski. Uh, the, what He is one guy that I kind of did feel for last night. What an incredible career he's had. Great playoffs he's had returning after getting that brutal hit in game one of the first round. Um, so I do feel for Joe a little bit. But uh, no love lost for Jamie Benn. And the fact that he was 0 for 4 in the series. <laughs> was a little something to chuckle about considering what happened when he wasn't in the lineup. That was when they pulled up those two wins. Yeah, he was also, I believe he was a minus. Well, how, hard not to be a minus when you lose 6 nothing, but it is kind of humorous that he gets out for two games. And when, is he the problem in the room, Hustler, Jamie, Ben, <laughs> and, and Dallas? But uh, I agree. They, I mean, they had that draft. It went over it a couple weeks ago. I think they drafted Heiskanen, Robertson, and Ottinger all in the same draft. And maybe the best draft uh, of all, draft class of all time, and I agree they'll be back. Uh, they'll be they'll be good for years to come. They have their core locked up: Robertson, Ottinger, Heiskanen, uh, Rupe Hints, as well. Did you just say Heiskanen, Ben, and Hints were all drafted in the same draft? Uh, I believe. I think that is true. I, we went over it a couple weeks ago on that, the show. That's right. That it's just ah. Uh, I mean, hey, you got to make the most of your first round picks. Yeah. Obviously. But if you can pull out diamonds like Hintz and Robertson outside of the first round, you're uh, you're set. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, sorry. Is Heisken and Ottinger Robertson? I don't know. I'm trying to yeah. see where Hintz was. Rupi might have been. Rupi was fall. second round in 2015. Second round in after Gurianov, which is sort of funny. Um, anyways, great drafting outside of the first round. A big reason why the Dallas Stars got as far as they did. Here's something for you. And Dusty and I were just breaking this down in the lock shop when we were talking about this um, this series. 
I do think that this – what are the Panthers going to be off, like 10 days? I think nine, yeah. Nine days? That makes me nervous if, uh, if you're back in the Florida Panthers. I mean, can Bob – like Bob was so nuclear hot mm-hmm. in that series. What does a nine-day layoff do? to a goalie that is absolutely in the zone. And the biggest reason why that was such a short series against the Canes. You know, he's been amazing. And there's been speculating, is this good for Bob? Because you know he loses like 30 pounds a game uh, playing goal, whatever whatever, <laughs> whatever the legend is, 10. Uh, I forget. And he's, I've seen him uh, without pads. He's a pretty a thin guy. But I agree with you. I remember... Another Paul Maurice coach team, the Winnipeg Jets, who had a long layoff before they played the Montreal Canadiens after sweeping Edmonton. And, I mean, I don't know if Barkov's going to go out and run someone on their team and get suspended for four games. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I don't know what's going to... I don't think he'll get a four-gamer but if you that see, exact same thing yeah, they happens. Don't, they don't hand out those type of suspensions anymore. But I, I kind of agree with you. You know, is it too long? Has the hot streak... Uh, worn off, and I always think about. I did mention the Jets there after. You know, you, we all said here, oh well, they're going to destroy Montreal. Uh, they they've had so much time off. Montreal just played a seven game series, grueling versus Toronto. And for I do remember it was the Colorado Rockies in two thousand seven who were so red hot, and they I think swept the NLCS, and they were you know playing Boston, who had a long series in the 07 uh, ALCS, and. You know, by the time you got there, they were all, the hot streak had worn off. So I do wonder if there is some of that. I think there's something to be said. You could also go either way and say, hey, you know what? They're going to be rested. The Stanley Cup playoffs are are such a grind. So I think we'll probably know after the first period or two. But Mm -hmm. I do think that is an interesting storyline. But there's, I mean, Vegas is having some time off here too. They just finished, it was Monday. And they're not playing until Saturday. So I think it's kind of kind of neutralized. Well, with, well with I, this I, long I just break. mean that I just mean that I, I listen, the way Vegas has been winning has just been, you know, being a bit better than the other team. Everyone's mm-hmm. contributing. I mean, they are they look like a playoff and cup ready team right now. Yeah. So have the Panthers. But I mean the Panthers have been winning these games with their goaltender standing on the head. Matthew Kachuk pulling magic out of his hat in overtime or at the end of games, you know, night after night after night. And they have been a little more top-heavy when it comes to the uh, the scoring. I, I I don't know. From where I'm at right now thinking about this series, I think Vegas wins it. <clears throat> I think it's Vegas in and around six just because I think that overall as a team, they're better. But goaltending can change everything. <clears throat> Listen, I'm not expecting Bobrovsky to be the, uh, I mean, just basically on the heater that he was in the Carolina series with this nine-day break. To me, if goaltending is at all relatively even, and credit where credit's due, Aiden Hill's been awesome since going in in place of injured Laurent Brossois. I do think that the Vegas Golden Knights as a team have it all, and they're getting contributions from, you know, one to four lines. And I even think back of the way that, Cassidy was starting off his games, always playing the fourth line against Winnipeg. I mean, he really does have the confidence in all four of those lines. And I'm not sure Maurice has the, has the same amount of confidence and the same ability to play all of those players. And then the blue line. We don't talk enough about the blue line. But with guys like Peter Angelo and Shea Theodore um, and guys like Zach Whitecloud as well playing, you know, very, very important roles. 
I certainly do give the nod on the blue line to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. And I think that's been a big reason why Aiden Hill's been able to do what he's done since coming in for LB. Yeah, and for Vegas, I don't think they really care who the other team's goalie is. They just beat Connor Hellebuck in the first round, and they beat Jake Ottinger in round in the conference final. So I don't think it's it, does, it matters if it's Bob or how well he's been playing. They've been figuring out a way. And you know, it's funny you mention Vegas and all their depth players. And you know, we kind of looking at like how this team was put together. And you've mentioned a lot of the Winnipeg players and. I know there's people out there say, oh, we hate hate Vegas. They got gifted this team in the expansion draft. And I'm going to say absolutely not. Uh, full credit to uh, McCrimmon, Kelly McCrimmon, and George McPhee for putting this team together. They've made aggressive moves um, when needed. They've gone, gotten very lucky or maybe pretty smart with some of their ads. And we talked about Chandler Stevenson, fifth-round pick, Michael Amadio, quiet, claimed off waivers. The Stevenson, um, the Stevenson pick is one yeah. of the biggest heists uh, um, as far as just a simple transaction in the last 10 years in the National yeah. Hockey League. And, and But how about other guys making impact? Has Brett Howden, who was, you know, maybe some people thought he was a first-round bust. Uh, he's acquired from the Rangers in a trade for a 2022 fourth and someone named Nick DeSimone. Zach Whitecloud, as you said, the ELC, undrafted free agent. They were able to convince him to sign there. How about Keegan Colasar, uh, who was a third-round pick in 2015? They traded a 2017 second-round pick for him to Columbus. You think Columbus was like, yeah, this guy was a third-round pick? We'll, we'll take a second second for him. And he's playing, having a huge impact for them. Um, and then but who? Ivan? how about Ivan Barbashev? Uh, so you're talking about trade deadline acquisitions. Florida really doing none. That was the big one. And I know we're going to have Ken Weeb. He's been on the bar bus all season saying the Jets should get him. He's third on the team in playoffs. They traded uh, their 2021 first-round pick, Zach Dean, uh, for him. What an acquisition that was. And Petrangelo, uh, you know, it was between St. Louis and Vegas. St. Louis didn't want to give him a no-trade clause. Vegas did, and he signed signed with Vegas. So, I mean, full credit for them for going out and being aggressive, you know, acquiring Eichel, Eichel, Stone. Other teams could have gone out and got those guys. Who? If you go back, if you go back to the draft in 2017, Mm -hmm. when Vegas was coming into the league, um, you know, they made a bunch of deals, including one with Winnipeg, to move up in the draft to pick 13th. They had their pick, which was, I want to say, fifth overall. Uh, and then they had the 15th pick. And if I'm not mistaken, they went Cody Glass, Winnipeg native, with their first ever pick. Then with the 13th pick, the one that they got from their trade with Winnipeg, they moved up and took Nick Suzuki, who's turned into a legit top-line National Hockey League center, now in Montreal. And then with the 15th pick, they took Eric Brandstrom. Mm-hmm. All three of those first three picks that you thought would have been the core of this team have been traded, Reem. Glass was <laughs> traded in the Nolan Patrick deal. Brandstrom was traded along with Oscar Lindbergh and a second rounder to the Ottawa Senators for the remaining couple months of Mark Stone's contract. And admittedly, they probably, Ottawa probably didn't get the value that Stone deserved on the market because everyone in hockey pretty much knew that Mark Stone was signing with the Vegas Golden Knights and Kelly McCrimmon as a free agent in the offseason. 
And then, of course, Nick Suzuki was part of their acquisition of Max Pacioretty. So they have been bold. They've taken big swings. They haven't been afraid to trade top-level prospects. Um, but it's all added up to a pretty darn deep team. And they also haven't been shy to move on from coaches. And, you know, first it was Gerard Gallant, then it was Peter DeBoer. Um, but, man, they got a good one in Bruce Cassidy. First coach ever to win back-to-back 50-game seasons with two different teams in the NHL. And uh, he's now four wins away from getting that elusive Stanley Cup ring. Yeah, I mean, talk about the coach battle here in this Cup final. Paul Maurice, 25 seasons behind the bench. And Bruce Cassidy, you know, we mentioned that stat, what, back-to-back 50-win seasons with two different teams. And you said it on this show, I mean, how many coaches are getting fired after a 50-win <laughs> win season? They're crazy. So, But he's done such a great job there. Uh, you know, you mentioned the some of the trades it's you know going back to the expansion draft and i think this is going to be a storyline too jonathan march and riley smith were on florida at the expansion draft and they selected mark marceau and florida just gave away riley smith's contract to, just to, just to take him and they would instead they wanted to protect four defensemen i said it uh, last week about mark pisick and alex petrovic and the expansion draft i mean so many of these gms made mistakes Minnesota was afraid that uh, was afraid that what they were going to select uh, Marco Scandella, Eric Stahl, or Matt Dumba, and said, "Okay, you take Eric Halla, and we'll give you Alex Tuck as well." Well, Alex Tuck was used in the Jack Eichel trade, and I think that was a win-win. He's been fantastic for Buffalo, but Eric Halla was great in the 2018 playoffs. They used him to trade for. Uh, a minor uh, age role player at the time, Nicholas Waugh, who's playing a huge role with them. And another one, Shea Theodore. Hmm. So the Ducks gave gave Vegas Shea Theodore so they would pick up Leighton Stoner and his like $3 million contract not to take Josh Manson and Sammy Vatnin. So there were some shrewd moves made, I mean, some big mistakes by other teams in the expansion draft, but I do think Vegas has made done, they've hit on every move. Here and you look at, you know, you talk about Dallas being good for next year going forward with their core. Look at Vegas; they don't have any, any like big question marks for next year. Let's bring up their cap friendly Listen, real quick. They're a, they're they're a, a very very well built team. They have everyone. I mean, they have everyone. Who's RFA? Brett Howden RFA. Barbershop UFA. Mm. Uh, Teddy Bluger's UFA. All their D they have for next year, and their goalie. They have Logan Thompson. You know, it was a call. It could be a Calder if he didn't get injured. Maybe a Calder nominee. You got him two more years at entry or min salary, and the rest of them are UFAs. They, it doesn't matter who their goalie is, though. Huss. They can put whoever in. They got the same yeah, D well, next year, <laughs> and same. Like this could be back to back for Vegas if they win. I know, and people aren't going to like that. Seventy eight percent of people mm-hmm. on our chat want to see Listen, Florida. Let them win, win. Let them win one before we start talking about them going back to back about that. Uh, but we will talk a little bit more about the Panthers. I know there's some. Great storylines on the Panthers side of things. And Mike's going to join us a little later on. Uh, But we do have a very special guest coming up in just a second. Uh, Before we do that, shout out to our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Now with eight locations in the city of Winnipeg. The Plessy location is now officially open after the big grand opening on the weekend. Um, But wherever you need to get 
a little work done to the dome, Modern Man is there for you with eight locations and a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look online via modernmanbarber.com to make an appointment. And, of course, follow them on Instagram as well at Modern Man Barber Shops. Beautiful summer weather continues. And, folks, maybe it's time to make 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech. Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And a whole home renovation start with AquaTech as well. With thousands of rentals as their foundation, let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech's ready to make your rental dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options at aqua-tech.ca. Uh, Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are busy right now. You know, they're keeping everyone's cars and trucks on the road throughout the winter. Now it's the fun time, though. And they literally have the best prices on batteries for everything. We talked about the deep cycle batteries at 105. The great deals on golf cart batteries, both 6 and 8 volts. Uh, Cranking amp batteries for your lawnmowers. Not to mention ATVs, boats, folks. Summer is pretty much here right now. Make the most of it. Get on down to 1026 Logan Avenue. And hey, if you don't want to make the trip, they're also the most convenient place in town. $60 order or more, they'll deliver it to you anywhere within the city for free. Find out more at manitobabattery.com or pay them a visit at 1026 Logan Avenue. And just before we bring in a very special guest, Preseason bomber action on Friday, and then back at it the following Friday for the home opener. Our friends at Canadian Club are ready to go for another season. The rum hut will be stocked, and those delicious Canadian Club and ginger ales will be available as well throughout the stadium. And CC and ginger is now available in 473 milliliter cans at your local Manitoba liquor marts and beer vendors if you want to pack a few of those before the pre-game tailgate. Canadian Club, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And speaking of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, let's welcome in a great friend of the show, the one and only Patty Newfeld to get us ready for the upcoming season. Patty, what's going on? How are you? I'm great, man. You just caught us, uh, just finished up practice, uh, finished up some lunch and hanging out with you now. Beautiful. Hey, it's great to have you on the program. Um, You know, I was chatting with you and some of the fellas at the uh, Taste of the Bombers event last week. And uh, you know, the one thing that came through from pretty much everyone was we're really looking forward to getting on with the season right now. Um, you've been here for a while. How would you characterize this training camp with so many returning and familiar faces as opposed to some of the camps in the past under Coach O'Shea? It's It's been a great camp. It was, it was a hard camp. You know, we... We had a lot of pattern practices. We had some some long days. Uh, I felt like we got some seriously good work in, um, and it was great to kind of hit the ground running where we're not. <clears throat> I mean, we we're going to have evaluation obviously across the board, and guys come in knowing that every position is held for grabs, and that's always going to light a fire under your ass as a competitor. So, um, but being able to have kind of most of the guys back from last year, have Kenny back where he he's come back in and he's taken on a leadership role and he's being vocal and he's really leading those younger guys and um, even getting kind of some of the newer older guys back going is uh, has been great so offensively you know we're really looking forward to uh, to week one here and um, getting things going uh, as far as the line goes um, 
Michael Couture's gone. Kolinkowski's in right now. And tell us about what's training camp like for the for the line in particular, and what are you guys doing as a group to uh, get yourselves ready to be uh, the best possible unit come game one against the Ticats? It's a grind, man. Like mm-hmm. we're three hundred over three hundred pounds. It's hot out. We're hitting each other every day. Um, you know, losing Mike is 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 tough. He's one of my best friends, but that's the business of things, and uh, he knows that. And we've we've talked, and he's you know he's doing his thing with BC, and um, we're super fortunate that we have Chris stepping in and, and playing the way he's been playing. He's been phenomenal for us at center, and um, really taking control of that huddle and, and, and making all the great calls that we need uh, up front. Um, and then we're just really focusing on making sure we're getting details down. You know, we, we have a great understanding of our big picture for things on our offense, um, you know, whether it's new wrinkles or, or kind of our bread and butter stuff, but um, we're really going to hone in on details. So once week one happens, um, we're not leaving any stones unturned. How um, I, I think many of us were a little surprised at how many of the ones made the trip out to, uh, to Edmonton for the first preseason game. Um, how did it go? And um were, were you surprised? I mean, often, you know, those guys will kind of play players like yourselves that are, you know, you know you're going to be relying on throughout. We'll play a little bit maybe in the second game. Seemed to be maybe a little bit of a different way that uh, the coach was handling the preseason with so many of you guys making the road trip on the weekend. Yeah, I think it was it was a really good thing for us. Um, as vets, it was a great chance for us to kind of knock some rust off, hit someone else for once, um, <laughs> and just get a feel for the speed and intensity of a game. Um, even just little things like starting a drive and, and marching the field or, you know, seeing the transition from offense to special teams to defense, back to special teams, back to offense, and kind of getting a feel for the flow of the game, um, especially for kind of the newer guys. And um, even just that it's been a while, the speed of the game where they blow the, the play in quicker. So um, making sure our cardio is right, making sure our, our legs are under us and, and – uh, yeah, just getting those early licks out, I think, is a is a really great thing for us. I, th- I thought what you said at the beginning might have been the most pertinent bit of it all. Nice to finally hit somebody else for a change because, yep. uh, let's face it, these are long practices. You mentioned how much you guys were going, uh, you know, with pads. At a certain point, it's nice to get a guy maybe in green instead of one of your teammates that you're back in the room with after. Oh, well, absolutely. It's it's. Mm-hmm why we play the game right you don't you don't just practice for the sake of practicing you practice so you can go out and compete against someone else and um try and do the things that you do and practice on the field and to your highest level so um edmonton's a great competition for us they have a great front and uh, uh obviously with jones over there they're going to have some unique things they do on defense so being able to see some things and uh you know go out and play fast and play physical and and uh start things off for the preseason even though we have another game coming up um it was still great to uh to get out there and, and, and run around and hit some people. You know, it, I mean, again, this is, uh, I mean, and listen, from Bomber fans, and I'm sure the team in somewhat a fortunate situation to have the continuity that this organization has had and so many of the familiar faces. And there hasn't been a lot of wild stories about massive training camp battles. Um, but there was some intrigue as to who might be the short yardage quarterback, might be the guys, you know, might be running it, you know, behind Drew Brown and Zach Caleros. And uh, Piggy T had quite the game. Um, oh. it, tell us about Tyrone and you know what you saw in game action um, of a guy that certainly seems to have a pretty unique skill set that when the ball is in his hands, he can get you a first down, but maybe a heck of a lot more like we saw in Edmonton. 
It, he is a fast, fast dude. Uh, he looks like a, a punt returner playing quarterback sometimes during practice. So his his ability when he has the ball in his hands and he can make people miss is, is pretty cool. I just remember one play we ran uh, a quarterback sneak, and he's like, man, I almost busted that one. We're like, dude, it's a quarterback sneak. Like, we need one yard. And he's, he's talking about busting them for a big play. So um, it's great to know he has that tenacity to him, and, and he's uh, he's done a great job of not only just doing some short yardage stuff for us, but um, understanding our offense. We have a pretty complicated offense, and he's doing a, a great job of, of understanding that. And Josh, too, um, you know, both those guys are battling hard, and uh, it's always great to see that competition flourish in a, in a preseason game. Addie Newfeld of the Bombers is with us. Preseason action at home, finally back at IG Field on Friday, and then the home opener the following Friday against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Patty, uh, uh, what's a day in the life of a veteran O-lineman in training camp like? Give us a bit of an idea about, you know, what time you're getting up and and just go through the day and, and what that grind is like at the height of camp. Well, I can certainly tell you it's not very flashy. Um, usually up, try to try to make it as routine as possible because they are such such a grind of a day. But, um, you know, usually up at about 6 a.m. Um, and then I'm, I make a, an espresso in the morning and um, do all my morning stuff and head to the stadium for about 6.30, 6.45. And then uh, go in and do some some pre-practice movement stuff, mobility stuff, warm-up stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not getting any, any younger, so I got to uh, get that diesel engine going. And then, um, you know, we're, we're kind of going over just as an online group in our corner of the locker room, some things that we're going over for practice. And then uh, usually get the music blasting and, and some of the boys get cranked up and uh, head out into the field. And um, depending on the day, you know, we're going to have um, anywhere from, you know, in a two and a half to a four hour practice and um, get our work in that way. Um, depending, like I said, depending on the length of practice, we'll come back in and, and maybe get a, a workout in just something to kind of flush the system or maintain where we're at. Um, the, the necessary evil of cold tubbing always rears its ugly head. So we're a lot of guys try and dip in those, those frigid, those frigid tubs we have and, um, make our bodies feel a little better. And then we got a little bit of downtime where we kind of just chill out. Um, and then we pick back up with meetings around two thirty, two o'clock. Uh, we're meeting usually up until about six and then, uh, we, we break for supper and we've, uh, we've been fortunate where we've had uh, our evenings off. So we get to go back home or spend time with family or just hang out with our teammates and, and have the evenings to ourselves. Pretty long day though. I mean, people just look at, Oh, the on-field portion is from eight thirty to 11. I mean, you're not even halfway through the day at the end of the on-field stuff. Once you kind of get into meetings and everything else that needs to happen behind the scenes to, you know, be ready to go for game one. It's it's a grind, but that's that's what training camp is, and everyone knows coming in what what camp is for. It's it's getting our bodies right, getting our minds right, kind of getting that routine, and and uh, it's it's the period of the year where we get the most work with our pads on. So um, it's going to be a lot more physical. Um, we try to get a lot of work with our pads, and we you know we we have an offensive line coach in Marty Costello who loves to run the football and and uh, preach physicality. So um, we get a lot of work in that way, and. Um, like I said, we're fortunate we get a lot of time to recover. But yeah, they are there are long days, but uh, it's what you sign up for, and it's you know, it's the best job in the world. I love doing it every day. Now, uh, and I guess uh, with this week, even though you're going into preseason game number two, is training camp basically done? Is this now essentially like uh, like a game week during the regular season? I think yeah. Today was kind of our last big work day, um, mm-hmm. and then we're kind of transitioning into. Um, 
a regular work week where uh, tomorrow will kind of be uh, our polish day where we're, we're going over a lot of um, team periods, not as so much uh, individual periods, making sure that um, everyone, young guys, old guys, are understanding of what we're going to do in the game. And then um, obviously the day before the game, we're, we're trying to feel as healthy as possible. So we're going to have our walkthroughs and, and go over our roster and, and depth charts and stuff like that. And then, you know, get to play a game in the best stadium in Canada. <clears throat> Pat, uh, how would you characterize the attitude of the team going into this season and we've sort of been calling it you know an unfinished business tour i mean you guys have set the bar so high in the cfl you were so close to a third straight great cup most of the players that were on these teams are back right now um what is the what's the mo of the 2023 winnipeg blue bombers right now as you finish up camp and get ready to start the season in about 10 days hungry you know we're we're hungry we know how it ended last year we don't we don't talk about it in the building, we don't talk about it on the field, but everyone has that in the back of their mind. And you know, we're hungry to go and compete. We're hungry to uh, to get on the field and earn a, earn a chance every week to get one step closer to being able to compete in that game. So um, we're going to be ready to roll come week one, and we can't wait. How uh, what's coach like throughout uh, training camp? Is he uh, is he different than he is maybe during the regular season? Um, and has he changed at all through previous training camps? I don't think so. I think he has done a great job of being himself and letting things run its course. He He's most honest when he can feel a lull in probably intensity, and that usually shows up in pre-snap penalties. So um, when that starts happening, that's when you know we start doing push-ups and, and the intensity from the coaching staff wraps up. But um, that's understandable, and that's warranted, and, and that's a huge part about what we do. So... Um, He's done a great job of making sure we're, we kind of peaked when we needed to and um, got a lot of seriously good work in. But, you know, not afraid to, to tell the truth when we haven't had a great practice and understands that the work falls on us as players and, and he puts that accountability back on us. And as a, a large leadership group that we have, we know we have to uh, get things going in, in the right direction. So there's always going to be, you know, lulls in training camp. That's just the nature of going to practice every day and practicing and pads for, you know, three hours every day. But um, he's done a great job of taking care of us and, and leading us. You know, and part of that leadership from Mike and certainly the continuity with so many of these players that have had so much success with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is I think a term that sometimes is overused, but if ever it applied to a team, it's the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and that is maturity. Um, mm -hmm. This is a mature team with a ton of veteran players. How do you think that helps the squad going into what is a long grind of 18 regular season games just to get the opportunity to play for another great cup? I think that's exactly it. It's an understanding of what it takes. Um, you know, we've gone that distance three years now. Um, we know it's a long, long, long season. And uh, having that knowledge, that wisdom, um, being able to ref reflect back on things and put it into the present I think is huge where um, we can rely on our past experiences as a team um, and and guys on an individual level can speak with other guys on individual levels about personal things they're going through or, or especially young Canadian guys coming up from the draft you know they play a 8 to 12 game season and they come to the CFL and that's half of a CFL season so um, just being able to use that to propel us forward I think is the biggest part. Patty you mentioned that you would describe the team as hungry Everyone looked pretty hungry last week when I bumped into you guys at the Taste <laughs> yeah. of the Bombers event. How how did you enjoy that? What a, what a cool event that was Man, for fans, I was and I'm sure the players as well. What a, what a great event, and and uh, 
you know, it's, it's so awesome that they open that up for players to come and hang out because we had a great time. I think it's such a cool thing to get, you know, local restaurants involved into that stadium and um, allow people to come and experience that stadium, not just for football, but for the kind of different events we have. We were just saying that we kind of wish it was during a bye week, so we maybe we could have uh, enjoyed the rum hut a little more or something like that. <laughs> Well, it was, I mean, honestly, I, uh, um, I I think that's the first time they've done something like that. And I can guarantee you from the reaction of everybody that was, a, that, that was at the event, uh, the hope is that that can even grow and become an annual event. And I'll tell you what, you mentioned those local restaurants. We got treated to some pretty incredible fare. What, uh, what stood out to you on the docket as you did the tour of Taste of the Bombers? <laughs> Asking an old lineman his favorite thing to eat at like an all <laughs> meat event is pretty tough to do. Uh, there were some seriously great dishes. Um, I don't know if I can pick one. The 529 roast beef lobster dish was pretty phenomenal. That was insane. Um, the, uh, the Confusion Corner taco I thought was fantastic. Um, there was a gnocchi dish. Um, I can't remember from where. Um but yeah, I, I mean, it was it was hard to pick, but it's it's hard to beat lobster. <laughs> you know, it's that's such a, <laughs> such a solid food. Now, what what about um, Chef Jeff Gray? Who, yeah, um, that his corn dog was pretty damn good. And the funniest thing was, I was happened to be right bu- right beside him when he got to try his recipe as prepared for it. What did you think? How, how did Jeff make out? against the uh, very, very heady competition that was uh, at the event. He did great. You know, I will I will preface that by saying that we may or may not have been treated to about 50 of those corn dogs before the event, you know, as a, <laughs> as a uh, maybe a tester. So I think the offensive line uh, probably had their, their year's worth of sodium and, and, and trans fats because of all the corn dogs we had beforehand. But, uh, yeah, he did great, and he loves doing stuff like that. So uh, really cool to see them uh, let Jeff kind of uh, incorporate his second love of food into the whole event. Has, uh, has Chef Gray uh, thrown down for the fellas on the O-line at all during camp? We haven't yet. It's there's just no time, so we're really waiting for uh, week one here, and we'll, uh, we'll let him kind of take off and do what he does best and, and cook us a big meal. Can't yeah, wait. Big celebratory dinner, hopefully, after going to 1-0 and against the uh, the Ticats. Just before we go, Pat, uh, how excited are uh, And, I mean, obviously, it's great to be back at the stadium for preseason action, but um, overall, how uh, jacked up are you and your teammates to uh, get out there for week one against Bo Levi Mitchell and the Hamilton Tiger Cats to uh, start off the 2023 season? Yeah, I mean, they're such a great team, and obviously you've seen what they've done in free agency where they're really – it looks like going all in for that home great cup game. So we're going to have our hands full. Um, they're a great defense. Um, they're going to have some, probably some new things on offense. They got Bold Levi and uh, James Butler and Duke over there. So they got some firepower on offense. So we're going to have our hands full, making sure we stay on the field and, and keep that offense off the field. But um, I mean, you can't ask for a better home opener in Winnipeg in, in this great weather we're having. And uh, a big matchup like that. So really looking forward to it. It's, it's a huge game. And uh will rise to the occasion for sure bring it on cannot wait for this friday and the following friday to get back out to ig field and see you and the fellas do your thing patty have a great next week good luck in the preseason and uh here's to a, another phenomenal year for the blue and gold uh, starting on the ninth appreciate it hustler thanks for having me man have a great one patty there's pat newfeld of the winnipeg blue bombers again preseason action friday and the home opener against Bo Levi Mitchell in black and gold. Bring it on June 9th.
at IG Field. Um, all right, we uh, have Mike McIntyre coming up in a little bit. Uh, as we mentioned, that Taste of the Bombers event was amazing. So much great food. Everyone's, I think, um, you know, stepping up their game right now on the grill. And if you want to get ready for an incredible grilling experience, get on down to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market, who, of course, have great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, but also groceries and Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too. Uh, with the warm weather here, it is barbecue season, and Vita Health has delicious Vita Market grass fed bison and beef steaks waiting for you. And if you need something to help you digest that red meat, check out Health First Primezyme Digestive Enzymes to help you with symptoms like heartburn, gas, bloating, and abdominal pain after meals. Vita Health Fresh Market also have local delivery options at their website. Find out more at myvita.ca or pop down and see them at one of seven Winnipeg locations. Hey, uh, Wallace and Wallace, the leaders in Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist, or they are the specialist. Um, they've been doing it for residential and commercial customers in the city since 1946. If you need the security and protection of a new fence or if winter did a number on your old one, you can give them a call. They got vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood fences. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz at 452-2700. The Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, how's the closet looking, fellas, as uh, we get into spring and summer? Are you ready? If you need to up your menswear game heading into the new season, only one place to go, and that is F Apparel down at 190 Smith Street downtown. The guys at F Apparel have everything that you need, all at amazing prices. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. They've got a 15% discount for wedding parties. If you guys need suits for a wedding, much better than wasting your money on tux rentals. And if you've got a 2023 high school grad that needs a suit for the big day, get in there now and they'll get a free custom shirt and tie with the purchase of a new suit. F Apparel is down at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment at F Apparel, EPHapparel.com. And with this gorgeous weather we're enjoying right now, no better time to pop down and see Nick and Nikki at the Nick and Nikki TQ Group. Four locations. DQ Northgate, DQ Polar Park, DQ St. Anne's, DQ Niverville. Jump on one of those amazing stack burgers. Try one of the new summer blizzard flavors. And while you're at it, grab a couple boxes of uh, world-famous DQ novelties to stick in the freezer for when you need one in an emergency. Nick and Nicky DQ, proud sponsors of WST since day one. All right, let's get Remo back in here. Um, fun chat with Patty Newfeld. He really is one of my uh, one of my faves to have on the program, Remo. And Bombers are always so great with providing guests to come on, but um, he really is. He's the everyman, if you will. But you kind of feel for those big guys going through training camp. You know how excited they are to finish hitting each other and get out there with uh, some real game action. That was my favorite part where he's like, yeah, I want to go out and hit someone who's not on our own team. Come on. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, interesting how they did it with the preseason games. You know, we didn't think Zach Claris was going to play, and there he was uh, throwing a couple passes there. 
The one thing, you've been talking about this Taste of the Bombers event. I didn't really know about it, but then I think that is the one thing that is so great about the Bombers and the CFL is how accessible <laughs> the players are. And to go to an event like that where you can you know, mingle with all the players as well as try some great food, uh, I think this is something, Hus, that could you know, be a training camp thing for the Bombers, kick off the season. Uh, I you know, told my wife, I'm like, how did we not know about this? Let's go. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I already got my tickets. Well, I don't have my tickets. They're on sale. But I, mm-hmm. we're, in. we're in for next year. This could be a fun thing, Hus. Yeah, it, it, they, it, it, I mean, they did a great job. I mean, all the restaurants that were there, I'm just going to see. There was the Amsterdam Tea Room, a place called Elena, which is in Charleswood, Confusion Corner, one of my faves. The Caillou Grill was there. They had a wild one. It was like a chicken slider with um, like a blueberry sauce on it, cheese, some jalapeno stuff, Nicolino's legendary spot. Peasant Cookery was really good. Prairie's Edge which is out on Main Street. I wasn't familiar with it, but there, I think they might have done that. Another wild corn dog type thing that had um, like a Korean uh, miso sauce and that sort of thing on it. 529 Winnipeg, uh, 529 Wellington was nuts. Jeff Gray, as we talked about, had a creation in there. And then there was like Generay Cakes and Scientific or Sweet Impressions. I don't know. It was... It, Let's just say I felt like I needed to be rolled out of there afterwards, and it was a great time. Tons of season ticket holders there and the players there. Um, that event, I guarantee you, is only going to get bigger as we uh, as we get closer to uh, the upcoming season. But first things first, let's get out there and watch some football. All right, let's get, uh, let's get Mike in here. I think Mike may have a, a special guest that is, in fact, not sleeping right now. It's been a little while since there was a Piper sighting. You, on she, WST. She just took off, unfortunately. Uh, heard something upstairs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she she was all over me here a minute ago. Maybe she'll uh, make a reappearance. How you doing, Huss? I'm on holidays this week, but I wouldn't let uh, wouldn't let a little week off from the the daily grind stop me from uh, my weekly pit stop with you. Well, hey, listen, it's great to have you on. And I guess for someone that follows the and covers the Winnipeg Jets so closely, Probably a pretty good time yeah. to take off, Mike, because, uh, and I I have no doubt that there's plenty going on behind the scenes that we're not quite privy to, but as far as actual news or information, I mean, there's a couple guys playing in the World Championships, right. Stanley Cup Finals getting going right now, but uh, been pretty quiet coming out of the downtown offices of uh, one Kevin Chevaldea. Yeah, I imagine his phone isn't very quiet these days. What, what do you think his uh, his cell phone bill is going to look like? I hope he has an unlimited extra un- data, unlimited data plan. Indeed, um, you know it's it's interesting. I get a kick out of kind of scouring the the hockey world, and there's a lot of speculation out there. Huss. It seems like every market that could use an upgrade, for example, in net, has put together uh, a proposal. Uh, you know, a local writer or two has come up with a proposal for what what it would take to get Connor Hellebuck. Uh, it seems like half the NHL is uh, is in on a, a sweepstakes that, quite frankly, we don't even know if there is a sweepstakes for Connor Hellebuck. I suppose he could shock us all on July 1st and sign an eight-year extension, and that would certainly put uh, put all of that to bed. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see if there is, in fact, uh, a bidding war for Connor Hellebuck, how close some of these uh, packages that have been put together, 
some fairly tantalizing packages, I might add, um, you know, with with really high draft picks in the upcoming draft uh, and, you know, really good young players, prospects. Uh, again, it remains to be seen if there is a bidding war and then how heated it gets. But there's no question. And this time I'm a year with all only cup goaltending more than ever really comes into focus. Uh, and I think a lot of teams would look at the landscape and say, my goodness, if we had a Connor Hellebuck, maybe that would be us in the Stanley Cup final instead of Vegas or Florida, the unlikely goaltending duel of Aiden Hill versus Sergei Bobrovsky, the $10 million man. Well, that's the funniest thing about it, Mike. I mean, you know, there's different ways of building your team and getting together. And we were just kind of going through Vegas and, I mean, barring guys getting moved out, they pretty much have their team set for next year yeah. other than who's going to be along for the ride with Logan Thompson in the Vegas net. But on one side of it, you've got a $10 million goalie who lost his job for the majority of the season, I should re uh, recall, that has gone on, I mean, a nuclear run over the last couple of, of series. And then you've got Aiden Hill, who was a pickup from San Jose, was never really even the starting goaltender when Logan Thompson was there, wasn't the starting goalie when Loren Brassois started the playoffs, and yet he has looked absolutely up to the challenge. I mean, there's more than a few ways to make uh, the dish, if you will, and we're seeing two very different, certainly when it comes to the investment in the goaltending position right now in this upcoming Stanley Cup final. And that's where the Jets are in the unique position, and they've got, uh, they've got a lot of tasty ingredients Huss, uh for that dish and uh, it remains to be seen uh if the buffet is is open for business uh in in the coming weeks but um you know as, as you say right now I'm sure there's a ton going on behind the scenes uh, we know there's been different scouting meetings happening obviously they want to get their draft board ready um, you know, that's that's now what, four weeks away, the draft and the Jets will will, barring a move, uh, have one, you know, fairly high pick uh, in that first round. And they should come away with a pretty good young prospect out of that, given the depth of the draft. But uh, no doubt there's there's other things happening when it comes to projecting, you know, salary cap. Uh, issues and and right now it seems like we don't know exactly where the cap's going to land. There's been talk of it going up just by one million, but then other talk of perhaps it it gets a little higher. We should get some clarity, I expect, this Saturday when Gary Bettman it, it likely addresses uh, the media down in Sin City for his annual kind of State of the Union that he does on the eve of the Stanley Cup final. We'll probably get a little more insight from from Gary Bettman on that. And obviously there is stuff happening around the hockey world. There's coaches being hired, GM positions that are going to be filled, but kind of all quiet for now on the Jets front. And going back to your original point, it was a strategically planned uh, holiday for yours truly. Uh, figured that uh, I probably wouldn't miss a whole lot if I were to, uh, to take this week off, although it's a staycation. So I am close to home if... Um, if uh, the buffet does open for business. Well, I mean, as far as the Hellebuck situation, I mean, let's start there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that need, like if Connor Hellebuck is going to be dealt, there's a bunch of things that will be happening that obviously won't be, won't be privy to, but mainly 
conversations with Ray Petcal, yeah. Connor Hellebuck's agent, as to interest and framework of what an extension would look like. Um, if we start hearing Hellebuck trade talk, legitimate trade talk coming out of other markets or potentially insiders, and I don't think that will probably happen during the cup final. We all know how the league likes things to sort of be keeping uh, keep yeah. a lid on it, if you will. Um, is that going to be the indication of where things are going right now? Either that or the Jets throwing out a press release going, oh, we've re-signed Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start there, and it's an, a unique uh, situation with Ray Peckow, uh, Connor Hellebuck's agent, who happens to just be a, a Manitoban. Um, so those those are local calls going on, uh, Huss, between uh, that'll keep the phone the phone the phone rates down. They could even be in person meetings, and that wouldn't you know wouldn't wouldn't be uh, all that tricky to have Kevin Shoveldayoff and Ray Peckow have a face to face. Um, you know, maybe at the local Tim Hortons or, or what have you. Um, but for sure, I mean, you got to get, in fact, the Jets may have that indication. They're not going to issue a press release one way or the other uh, saying what Connor Hellebuck and, and obviously Ray Petkow is keeping his cards very close to the vest. He's not going to come out right now and say what he foresees happening. Um, but I suspect the Jets have asked for that clarity already, and they may in fact have that clarity um, you know, what will be interesting is, is has the Hellebuck camp thrown out a number? Uh, you know, this is what we're looking for, whether it's from the Jets or another team. Now, don't forget, Connor Hellebuck does have one more year on his deal. So it's not like he's a UFA right now. But uh, but I've got to think, you know, this is a guy that's been a Vesna finalist now, what, three out of the last six years there aren't a lot of goaltenders that can trot that out, Huss, on their resume. And that, you know, no doubt raises the price um, of Connor Hellebuck for whoever it is that's going to sign him. And I got to think, given his age, that he's probably looking at a max deal. Why would he look at a, a three or four or five year deal at this point? This is probably his last big deal. It may be his last deal, period. You know, if it's an eight-year one or seven years, if it's with another team other than the Jets. So, you know, I, I got to think that the numbers have been thrown out. And we come back to a guy like Bobrovsky, um, you know, making his 10 mil. I got to think that's probably where Connor Hellebuck and his agent are are asking. And it, it would be hard to say that they wouldn't be justified in asking given his track record. Oh, there's no doubt about it. The guy's earned... Um... He's earned a new contract, and there'll be a ton of demand for him. If he is dealt, what would be fascinating, and I think certainly from the Winnipeg Jets' perspective in Kevin Sheveldayoff, if they know that they're not going to be able to get a deal done with Hellebuck, I think what would be important information to know and clarify, much like Calgary did with Matthew Kachuk, right. is where he would be willing to sign an extension. And I'm not necessarily saying that it would be a sign and trade like happened with Calgary, but the Winnipeg Jets would have the opportunity to do that if it went past July 1st. I guess you don't even really need to do that. All you do is you're trading a guy with a year left on his deal. Once it gets past July 1st, you can have that deal that's already done in a drawer, send it down to yeah. NHL registry, and uh, and you're good. Um but, I mean, I really do think that that sort of a deal, if there is going to be made, 
um, for a team that's willing to commit to Connor Hellebuck long term to clarify that because that probably helps uh, the return. Not to mention that team knows that they're going to have a large expenditure on the books for a number wow. of years forward and probably need to move some of the pieces from their roster off. And needless to say, the Winnipeg Jets have quite a few needs when it comes to that. Yeah, and and you know July first, the the draft or the free agency this year happened so close to the draft. Like I, I don't remember a year, Huss, where there's been what a two day gap between. Like there is so much that GMs will have to take into consideration, and usually you get a little more buffer there to kind of get your ducks in a row between one major event and the other. Not so this year. Uh, and so in that sense, you wonder if, is that going to create kind of a busier time maybe before the draft than we'd normally get because you build in a little more runway to kind of then reassess where you're at as an organization when it comes to July 1 free agency? I, I would think so. Whereas in the past, maybe teams would often leave those those big decisions to draft day on the draft floor. Uh, you're really going down to the wire in terms of, you know, the big day in the NHL calendar, which is July 1, where a lot of teams, you know, at that point, they know what they need, they know how much they have to spend, and that's where they try and fill those holes. Uh, but if you're creating additional holes and or maybe filling them just a day or two earlier at the draft, uh, again, that you got to really think fast on your feet. So I do wonder if we're going to see more trade activity kind of days or even a week or two before the draft. And it's interesting, you look at the dates of the Stanley Cup final, Huss, even if the final goes the maximum seven games, I think it's ending on like the 19th of June. Like there's quite a, we've had times in the past where there's not a lot of time between the end of the cup final and the draft. This year, it'll be the opposite. You'll actually have, you know, at least like nine or 10 days, maybe longer if it's a quick series, uh, and so I think that's when things could really kind of uh, get wild and crazy around the NHL, um, you know, because of of the timelines that are in place this year. Well, and especially here. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, obviously we're focused in on Winnipeg because we're a Winnipeg show. You work for a Winnipeg newspaper. But, I mean, look at people that cover the league overall. And I mean, when you see articles on teams to watch over the next three weeks, Winnipeg is either <laughs> at – or right near the top of literally every single list for obvious reasons. And I'll almost double down on what you said, Mike. I mean, if the if the the moves that many people expect the Winnipeg Jets are going to make are going to happen, I think it almost has to start a little bit earlier because right. you know, the if you're trading effect. exactly, if you're trading two or three key players from your roster from last season, those holds need to be filled um, and many things might be conducive to or, or almost dependent on what you get back for piece A as to it affects what you're willing to take in the piece uh, B deal. And so, you know, it's really interesting, Huss, and maybe you know this offhand. Again, I'm on holidays this week, so I probably haven't been paying attention to social media as much as I would in a work week. But I, I believe it was one of the insiders yesterday Said, said this about the Jets, and I'm paraphrasing, that they believe that even the Jets themselves don't necessarily know kind of where they're going with all this. And I found that to be an interesting comment. And 
maybe in a way an alarming comment. I suppose it speaks again to the lack of control the Jets have in various situations. If there are players, whether it's Hellebuck, Dubois, Shifley, that they would want back, but they don't necessarily control whether those players are coming back, you know, on a long-term contract. I guess that might speak to why the team doesn't know. But I go back to the old saying, you know, a, a a failure to plan is a plan to fail. And, you know, I I think if you're the Jets, you better get a clear idea of what you're doing. If you don't know it today, you better get a handle on that in the very near future because um, given the importance and the magnitude of, of these decisions that are going to have to be made one way or the other, I don't know if just winging it is, is a very sound business strategy um, I think we could probably look in, in hockey history and there's a lot of teams that haven't done very well when they wing it. Then again, you could, I suppose, look at the Florida Panthers of last year. I don't think trading uh, Huberto and Uyghur for Matthew Kachuk, that wasn't part of any long-term vision. They obviously pivoted really quick and it kind of worked out for them, didn't it? Yeah, well, it sure it sure looks good right now. Um, you know, through the regular season, mm, not so much. No. But does that matter now? They're four games away from uh, from winning a Stanley Cup. Um, and by the way, that was one team that did nothing at the trade deadline as well. Zero. Vegas, the Vegas that- added Barbashev, um, but you're right. You, you look at teams that made the big swings; they're they're long gone. Uh, Barbashev. I mean, every time I watch that guy play, and he's a UFA, by the way. Like, how much? How much is his contract price going up? I mean, uh, the Jets could use an Ivan Barbashev, uh, but I'm sure there's 30 other teams right now that are saying we, we wouldn't mind that guy either. Uh, but you're right. I mean, the big swings for a lot of teams they they were swings and misses, <laughs> and Florida they stood pat, um, and look where they are now. But by the way, Huss, you've probably talked about this already on the show. If you're um, if you're a Jets fan, kind of pick your poise. Like, who do you think folks are rooting? Are they rooting for Paul Maurice? I guess it depends what your views on Maurice and the Jets, because there's a lot of people that were angry at Paul Maurice at the end of his tenure. But then I think there's a lot of people that are happy for Paul Maurice. But if you were part of the angry at Paul Maurice camp, who are you cheering for in this cup final? Because I don't imagine those people are Vegas Golden Knights fans either given that that's the team that ended the Jets season this year and in 2018. And the fact they have a bunch of Manitobans on their team feels more like salt in the wounds than anything else. Well, um, I don't know. I don't personally subscribe to that, but I can tell you we did the poll early on. uh, Not who you think will win. Who do you want to win the Stanley Cup final? 78% are rolling with Pomo and Jamie Compon. And the Florida Panthers, which surprises me maybe a little bit. Um, but the thing is, you've got all that great Manitoba content. They're also the team that bounced the Winnipeg Jets this year and prevented them from getting the final a few years ago. So I think maybe that does make a, a little bit of sense. I, I have throw, feel, There's probably some people that had a tough time making a choice. If Mark Shifley was voting, who do you think he's picking? Remember... Remember Mark Shifley after that November game when the Jets beat Paul Maurice and the Panthers? Mark Shifley essentially took a victory lap 
on the podium that night. He, it was just a, it was a regular season win, but it might as well have been the Stanley Cup for Mark Shifley. Nobody enjoyed kind of rubbing it in Paul Maurice's face more than Mark Shifley. Uh, I'd love to know what he's thinking right now. Well, let's talk about Shifley because, um, listen, we, we, I mean, the blue line is a whole nother story of needs. Players need to be moved. They need to figure some stuff out on the blue line. But, I mean, the headline-grabbing names that potentially could be on the move are Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois, Mark Shifley, and Blake Wheeler. To me, they're being forced into potentially dealing Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois. From my side of things, they realize that it's time, probably, to move on from both of those other players for a number of reasons. Yeah. Listen, Wheeler's older. Wheeler's got the big contract. That one is, we'll maybe get to how that gets solved in a minute. But speaking of Mark Shifley, what do you make of his value right now uh, in the National Hockey League? Because, man, you hear a lot about Pierre-Luc Dubois. You hear a lot about Connor Hellebuck. I don't really get the impression that there is a long lineup of teams just dying to make a big deal for Mark Shifley. Are we maybe overestimating his value in the National Hockey League because of how long he's been here and how closely we've watched him? He did have 42 goals last year. Well, I know, and those guys don't just grow on trees, right? Like, it's you can't just pluck a 42-goal scorer out of thin air, and you don't get guys like that on the open market very often. Now, there's no question we, we know here in Winnipeg very well that there are flaws to Mark Shifley's game. We've now seen, you know, Mark Shifley have a number of different coaches try to obviously get more out of him when it comes to work in his own end, the, the two-way game. Um, and, you know, I would say with limited success, one thing Mark Shifley did, though, as you point out, have this year was a very good offensive season. No question about it. Um, I got to think, Huss, that there are teams and coaches out there that would be, you know, going to their general managers saying, get me Mark Shifley. Um and I, I can work with that guy. I can fix, you know, the the flaws that might exist in his game, and I'll happily take the offense that he's going to provide us. This is a guy that should still be in the prime of his career. He's not washed up. He's not over the hill. He's not coming off a terrible season. He's not coming off a a debilitating injury where you're questioning whether he still has it. This is a guy that you know what he can do offensively, and I, frankly, I'm surprised that there's not maybe more chatter. And I don't know if that's just because, like you say, Hellebuck and Dubois, for various reasons, the Montreal media and the whole Montreal Dubois thing, that's obviously been a headline, not just this spring, but for a couple of years now. And Connor Hellebuck, just because when's the last time a goalie like Connor Hellebuck was potentially up for grabs? It, it almost feels like the Jets are being overshadowed by their own a volume, if you will, or your quantity and quality. Uh, the quantity is maybe taking away a little from the quality. Um, and But I, I got to think that when push comes to shove, there would be a lot of teams that would be willing to move mountains if it meant getting Mark Shifley into the fold. Because I think there are organizations <laughs> that would say, we can absolutely work with that. 
um, you know, what he brings is what we need. Yeah, I, I would also say I think there's a bunch of organizations, winning organizations, that probably are saying thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, red and flags. I do, and I sure. do I do wonder, with what you mentioned about the three coaches, listen, his reputation has taken a bit of a hit over the last number of years. And I think there's a lot of things that he, you know, at least has publicly done. I mean, certainly dating back to last year's exit meetings. Um and then basically what Brick Bonus had to say at the end of the season in a game that Mark Shifley wasn't even playing in, but he wanted to make very clear that it wasn't just about the guys that were playing in game five against Vegas. There was more things that had happened. And I do wonder what that has done to his value. Um, yeah. Because I think we kind of are pretty sure what Dubois' value is. We're pretty sure about what Hellebuck's value is. We're certainly sure that Wheeler will take giving up something to get him off the books. But Shifley, to me, is such an enigma right now because I think they're, you know, he does have a bit of, repu of a reputation of something that I'm not sure championship teams that are looking for guys to come and do what players in the Vegas Golden Knights and Florida Panthers are doing right now are really lining up to say, you know what, this is going to be a guy we could ride. We could see him in that situation right now. Fair or unfair, I'm not sure. Sure. Let me, though, look at kind of the 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 counterpoint there and a guy on the Vegas Golden Knights that came into these playoffs with that very reputation. Jack Eichel was a perpetual loser, right? Jack Eichel's a guy, he's had injuries, obviously, but he'd never even made the playoffs for a guy with his talent he was seen as a regular season player who never could do nearly enough to kind of get his team over the hump. And I remember because I was there after game one, when the Jets dominated the Golden Knights, there was talk in the Vegas market. This is just a month ago, Haas, or five weeks ago. Because Jack Eichel wasn't very good in game one. Most of his teammates weren't very good either. And there were already narratives about, well, here we go. Here's why Jack Eichel, th th this is the guy that you'd expect. He, he can't, he doesn't perform on a big stage. He's got stage fright, blah, blah, blah. Well, look at Jack Eichel now. And I, it was I, I, his I, first ever playoff game. Like, it was, but, it's, it's but not those like narratives. It's a bunch of, well, I mean, but I, I just like to point out, those narratives are insane if yeah. you're making a big narrative around one game. And I think the Vegas Golden Knights showed that after about four periods of the first round series against the Jets. They did. And and Jack Eichel's been, you know, a huge part. I know he didn't score in the Western Conference final, but you watch Jack Eichel. I mean, I did I personally, and again, I don't follow the player all that close, his career, but I heard the narratives that he's not a very good defensive player. You know, the effort isn't always there in his own end. Well, Jack Eichel, he's sliding blocking shots back checks you know all the stuff you need to do to win so I guess my point is you know Mark Shifley for sure he's got some baggage no question about it is it too late for him to rewrite that narrative to maybe prove otherwise and would a fresh start somewhere else under a different coach and a different organization and maybe if we're talking about him going to a team that is poised to win Maybe Mark Shifley isn't just the guy. He's just another guy. And maybe that helps a Mark Shifley, you know, the way that like Taylor Hall at times has, 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 has played really well in an environment where he didn't have to kind of be the alpha. So 
you know, I, I wouldn't be necessarily quick to just write Mark Scheifele off because of what we've seen. And I think more importantly, looking at it from other organizations perspective, I got to think there's teams out there that, that feel that, you know, he has obviously a skill set that is difficult to find and he could benefit them. But for sure, there's red flags, no question about it. Are those red flags enough to put up a stop sign, if you will, when it comes to a potential trade, we'll see. Well, I mean, listen, for some teams, that'll be the case. And for some teams, it won't. I guess the reason why I bring that up is that, I mean, listen, Mark Scheifele has been a franchise player for this Winnipeg Jets team for the majority of his career. When you trade a player of that prominence coming off a season like he had statistically, you know, I think you're expecting a big, big return um, right. coming back yeah. the other way. And I'm not sure that there will be the amount of teams that will be willing to pay the price that the Winnipeg Jets believe they should get for Mark Shifley. And here's the other thing. I do not think that there'll be a number of teams. Maybe there's one, but I don't think there'll be multiple teams lining up for Shifley and wanting to extend him right now. I think it'll be more, let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's see if he can fit into our group. Like, that's not the case, I don't think, for Dubois. Certainly not the case for Connor Hellebuck. But the Shifley situation is significantly different to me because I really think that the onus is going to be on Mark to prove himself as being a guy that can fit in with a winning team and a winning culture and do a lot of the things that, frankly, have been knocks on him while being a leader and one of the, the alphas, if you will, with this Winnipeg Jets team that after his greatest two weeks in his career against the Nashville Predators, where he was the talk of the entire National Hockey League. If you look at these five years since, um, it's probably left more questions than answers about what Mark Shifley is and what an NHL team that's paying the price to get him is going to receive. Put it this way, Huss, anyone expecting the Jets to land a Matthew Kachuk in return, a la the Florida Panthers, they're probably in for disappointment. Uh, and the reason you just outlined, or one of the reasons, is that it may be that there isn't an automatic extension with a trade partner. And again, that would affect the return. How could it not? If a team trading for Mark Shifley doesn't necessarily know if they're getting Mark Shifley for just one season or potentially eight seasons... Uh, I, I don't imagine that the price is quite the same. And if you're the Jets, you know, you're not exactly in a huge position of strength here. If the alternative is, if you don't like what's being offered, um, <laughs> the alternative is you hang on to the player who just walks, you know, in free agency in a year anyways. Like, so the Jets, well, they're Mike, back. Never, never mind, never mind. Because I would never get to that where I think he would walk. But, I mean, you could be talking about having him hang around until the trade deadline. And you might be able to get as much, maybe even more, depending on how the season goes, if he's traded the deadline. However, I think if you look at this team, like this change is already overdue. I'm of yeah. the opinion that they missed their, their best chances in the last two years to make a significant move that would have brought a better return in. But just imagine them not being successful with moving Shifley and Wheeler and having those guys come back this year. There's an effect in the locker room of that, which I think is obvious. But there's also an effect publicly in the market. I mean, 
it is uh, you talk you talk to fans all along i mean i could count on one hand the number of texts tweets fans conversations that i've had that people said you know what they'd be they'd be nuts to move on from those guys we got to keep those guys i don't think that there's any I don't think there's much inkling at all of even extending Mark Shifley. So if that's the case, you know it's ending at one point. What makes the most sense for the team? Well, to me, it has to be done in the summer because, man, if you go into training camp and that cloud is hanging over the club of what's going to happen, I mean, that's all people will be talking about all year long. He'll be preoccupied for it. I mean, I think it'll have a terrible effect on the team itself in the meantime. Um and then who knows what happens later on as you get through the season. I mean, there's huge risks involved in the nut, like publicly, marketing-wise, with the hockey team. I mean, it doesn't seem like a great way to do it. But at the same time, you don't want to make a trade that doesn't maximize the value of a guy that's been really productive. It would be like that couple you know who they're staying together for the kids, Huss. Uh, even though you know that it's yeah, it's going to end in divorce. <laughs> and all they do is fight. And and it's really uncomfortable for everyone to be around. The kids know it. Just just people they encounter. And in this case, it would be a very public breakup happening in in ultra slow motion with you know fifteen thousand kids at Canada Life Center every time mom and dad come together, kind of awkwardly watching this union uh, evaporate in in real time. So you're right. I, I mean, rip the bandaid off at this point. Just rip it right off. Um, and then there's Wheeler. And, and I put this to Hammer yesterday. Let me put this to you. Give me a pie chart, if you will. Percentage chances that Blake Wheeler is... what One one group on this chart is Blake Wheeler is traded this offseason and the Winnipeg Jets retain however much it takes, which is probably half of the contract. Blake Wheeler is bought out by the Winnipeg Jets. Blake Wheeler is a Winnipeg Jet next year. Those three things. One of those three things is going to happen, in my opinion. How would you handicap those three? You know, I would have said a few weeks ago that Blake Wheeler is a Winnipeg Jet would be by far the smallest piece of that pie. Then they then the organization goes and nominates him for the King Clancy, which I suppose you could look at it this way is that is that kind of a final thank you to Blake lifetime achievement award he's done a lot of stuff for that you know I I don't have no issue on that no there's no question and you can say what you want about maybe his leadership skills or how he's been at times with different players I don't think you ever can question what he's done on the ice in terms of, of his willingness to play through a lot and certainly in the community. I mean, this is not a fake award, but Blake Wheeler does do a ton. His family, they're one of the few jets that have a house in the community. They've made Winnipeg their own. He's an original from 2011 and you know, all that for sure. You can't forget about, but you know, I do wonder if there's uh, part of me still feels like Blake Wheeler is a Winnipeg jet. You know, he, he, He's doing the fishing uh, expedition here this summer with with Andrew Ladd that the Jets have have put on for charity. He's golfing. He's slated to tee it up in August at the Manitoba Open under the sponsor's exemption. I suppose that could always change if he's not here. I do wonder, Huss, if Blake Wheeler is a Winnipeg Jet is not the leading candidate with one big caveat. Could Blake Wheeler and the Jets 
have something potentially in the works where Blake Wheeler cites ongoing injury issues and he, you know, if he doesn't feel like his level of play is where it needs to be, does he go on, as they call it in Toronto, you know, Robida Island, and he just collects his final year on LTIR, the Jets get to use his cap space, but he doesn't go to another organ. And I don't know the answer to that. All I know is Blake Wheeler is a very proud athlete, maybe the proudest athlete I've ever encountered in my sports journalism career. And I would think that Blake Wheeler sees what a lot of us saw last year. He was having great difficulty at times keeping up. Yes, he had a very nice playoff series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Still a pretty productive year, though. I mean, this is not because of the on-ice production. I mean, I think we all know that. Yeah, I, I just wonder if he's at a point where he feels like he's done. And if he does feel that way, is there a way to get there that's not retirement. Blake Wheeler is not going to pull a Dustin Bufflin and walk away from the final year of his deal. Like Dustin Bufflin, eight million reasons why that's not happening. So he's not retiring, uh, but is there a way for him to kind of, I guess, maintain his dignity and pride, but do it in a way that kind of works for everybody. And that's where I wonder about an LTIR situation and I don't purport to know, I don't play a doctor on TV, so I don't know what what the ramifications are or, or what you'd have to cite in order to prove that you're not just hiding a player. Like, could he meet the threshold that the NHL has in place if that's the way they went? We know he suffered a, a very significant injury last year, Huss, one he obviously did come back from. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's It's... I know I have no question that True North, we know they're very loyal to people that have been good to them. Um, and Blake Wheeler would fall into that camp. And so part of me still has a very difficult time coming to terms with the fact that Mark Chipman would sign off on anything that would would send Blake Wheeler elsewhere, whether it's on a, a buyout or as you say, a trade to Arizona or whatever to just go away. And that's why I wonder if there's not a way that still kind of allows him to remain here, but, you know, not in the way that that, that maybe we would think. So I, those are just my thoughts thinking out loud. I guess I would still lean towards him being a Winnipeg Jet in some fashion uh, when the season begins, but whether it's on the ice or on LTIR remains to be seen. You know, I still did think, actually, as the season ended, especially the way that he played in the playoffs and overall the way he handled things, at least publicly, I was of the opinion that maybe he does come back and plays this last year and maybe it's a little bit further down in the lineup, but he can do it. I will admit that my opinion on that or the likelihood of that changed a little bit when we were down at uh, Canada Life Center hearing from the players at the end uh, of it. It was both what the players had to say about Wheeler's role in the in the team, but also the fact that he was first off batting leadoff in the wine line about everything that had happened with what Bones had to say and, and, and Blake having the, I mean, to call out a, a, a veteran coach like Rick Bones and saying, I didn't appreciate the way he conducted himself. I mean, to me, that that interchange and what we got from Blake, I think maybe peeled the curtain back a little bit more on some things that I was maybe a lot more willing to give him the benefit of the doubt through. 
And if that is what a guy that is still the leader is saying and leading the way for the rest of it, uh, the rest of the team, to me, that's just brutal for the Winnipeg Jets overall. It looked bad, I thought, on most of the players that, you know, kind of followed up. But he started it off right now. He's the guy that has more stroke in that room, I think, than anyone, as we heard from other players. And if it was up in the air before that, I would say that the need to make some sort of a move, despite the way he performed last year, um, was more evident than ever on that Saturday a few weeks ago. I don't disagree at all. And I think, you know, for the reasons you cited in our, when we were talking about Mark Shifley, about not just talking about change, but actually affecting real change. I think until Shifley and Wheeler, until you've moved on, you're just, you're just talking a good game, but you're not actually doing it in theory. And we saw that play out, like you said, at, at the exit interviews. And I got to think, you know, when Rick Bonus had his sit-down with Kevin Sheveldayoff and management a few days later, he probably pointed to Blake Wheeler and what he said that day, seeing, see, see what I'm up against, see what I have to deal with and why. And until we hmm. deal with that, nothing's going to change around hey, here. Let me hit you with this. If, though, if they don't find a trade partner to their liking for Mark Shifley, and Blake Wheeler's coming back, and both of those players are Winnipeg Jets. Who do you think is more demoralized about the result of the summer, Rick Bonus or the fan base? <laughs> uh, probably Rick Bonus, because this is a guy that you know. He's well, that's 60, saying a lot because I think he's the fans sixty-nine would... years old. He could yep. be putting his feet up, you know, golfing every day, enjoying retirement. He does not have to be doing this. And quite frankly, Huss, I mean. I, the whole tone of the exit interviews is why I asked Rick bonus when we met with him the next day, why are you still here? I mean, I didn't phrase it quite that way, but I, part of me expected to hear a resignation from, from Rick bonus the next day after that display. And I said, why are you still here? And he's, he almost got emotional and talked about, you know, how much he loves the game and whatnot. But I got to think that deep down, either he knows that there's going to be some real change this fall and that he will be able to resume loving the game uh, or that if that's not the case, he's obviously willing to to hold his nose and work through that. But I can't see how, I mean, put it this way, Rick Bonus did not seem like a guy who was loving the game very much down the stretch and certainly at the very end of the season. And I think a big part of that is because of the, various obstacles that he was coming up against within that locker room. If those obstacles are still around, uh, my goodness, it's, it's groundhog day, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and that's, um, listen, the, the groundhog day is something that has been brought up once or twice when talking about the Winnipeg jets and the running it back. And listen, I certainly don't think that that is the plan. Um, And the team will certainly look different than the one that, you know, bowed out in the fashion that they did against the Vegas Golden Knights in game five. I will say, though, Mike, that um, some moves are more important than others for a number of reasons, both within the culture and the character of the team and where they want to go to move on to really instill a new way of doing things and a new attitude around the Winnipeg Jets. But the elephant in the room is also the fact that, I mean, this team needs to 
regain the support of a lot of people in this market that has been lost for a variety of reasons. And I'll say I'm not sure there's oh, there's one thing that would probably um, do more damage to that movement of trying to move forward um, than bring it back with those two key players in particular, fairly or unfairly. That sort of is the reality of the situation. For sure. I mean, this is... Um it should be a summer of change on a number of levels. Um, you know, we know there's changes to the building itself. There's renovations going on at, uh, at Canada Life Centre and they're rolling out different packages. Um, but at the end of the day, the product is the hockey team and it's a results-oriented business. And I think if the message to the fan base, if you're trying to convince them, hey, you need to reinvest in us, and we know that's what they're appealing to the public to do. They're they're rolling out the most aggressive season ticket campaign since the return of the Jets uh, 12 years ago. If their message is you need to or we need you to reinvest in us, to believe in us, but they're going to try and run it back with the same cast of characters. Uh, and we know how the story has ended year after year after year. That is a very tough sell. And, and quite frankly, you're kind of playing your your audience, your market for fools. So I think for all of those reasons, they, they really do need to turn the page this summer. Um, and, and so you're right. I mean, bringing guys back that symbolize kind of where they've been as opposed to where they're going is, is not the way to go about it. And it certainly makes for what should be, you know, the most interesting – I guess five week or so period for as we sit here today and look between now and July one, just over four weeks. In fact, um, perhaps the most interesting and dare I say important month or so in the history of Jets 2.0. Yeah, agreed on uh, on those counts. Mike, great chat as always. Uh, say hi to the fam and to the dogs, and uh, we'll uh, catch up with you soon. Have a great week off. Thanks, pal. Appreciate it. Take care. <laughs> Good stuff. There's Mike McIntyre from the Winnipeg Free Press. All right. We do have Bomber football, as we mentioned, coming up on Friday. And that means it's the first Princess Auto tailgate party of the year. Get on out there early uh, for cheap beers, drinks, food specials before the game. Great entertainment. And make a plan to be there as well the following Friday for the Bomber Home Opener. Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Blue and Gold and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two Winnipeg locations. You can also shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. How's the uh, how's the property looking? How's the lawn looking? Hey, if you need irrigation uh, products or solutions, Consolidated Supply is ready for you. Our pal Joe Witherspoon, good to go with uh, whatever you need to get that property looking just as green as all the golf courses that Consolidated Supply services and works with. Uh, they've also got artificial turf if you need, maybe a dream putting green in the backyard. How does that sound, guys? Uh, and, of course, golf carts, both new and used, is the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba. They do have other great options for your property, hot tubs, amazing outdoor kitchen options, and more. And don't forget the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see Consolidated Supply at their new showroom, open to the public, 
1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Uh, Royal Sports is Manitoba's number one super sports superstore. You know it is the spot to get uh, all your favorite gear from all your local teams. Uh, I did actually talk to Greg. Speaking of teams, the hottest team around the Sea Bears, you know, new era lids going to be coming in in the next week or so for you Sea Bears fans that maybe couldn't have waited in uh, those massive lines at the game on Saturday. Uh, but Royals got it all. Tons of great bomber gear ready for the season as well. Of course, Jets, NFL. CFL, Major League Baseball, all there for you. International soccer as well. But spring stocks arriving daily. A massive disc golf section for you. A huge Yeti section if you want a great cooler, some supplies to get you through the uh, the camping season. Not to mention softball, baseball, soccer, tennis equipment, and a huge selection of bikes. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And just before we bring in our next guest, looking for the best place to get together for the cup final, the NBA finals, and more, you know what your local Boston pizza. Uh, Ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, and gourmet pizzas, not to mention the latest from the BP feature menu. Oh, and don't forget Appy Hour from 3 to 6 and 9 to 12 every night at your local Boston Pizza. And heck, if you're staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, looking forward to this next chat. We talked yesterday about how much fun everyone had at Canada Life Center on Saturday night. And uh, the hero of the Winnipeg Seabears' first ever win the first player, the captain, the beast from River East himself, Chad Posthumus, joins us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. What's up, big fella? Congrats on going one and zero. Much appreciated. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I got to tell you, I had an unbelievable weekend. We uh, watched some baseball down at the ballpark on Friday, and then rolled in with. I mean, I was excited. I was very interested to see what the CEBL was going to be like, how our team was going to look like. But I'll tell you what, maybe the best part of the entire weekend for the team, for yourselves, I think just for our community, was the way Winnipeg showed up and showed out in the stands. Uh, What was it like coming out there with the fellas, seeing game number one of this new team and smashing a CEBL record for attendance downtown? Oh, 100%. The... uh... Just the vibes in there, the atmosphere was phenomenal. You got the entire sold out bottom level. I think probably a thousand more fans wanted to even roll up and get there at the game, but weren't able to because of uh, just the capacity there. But it was uh, it was incredible. It was uh, it was like no other CBL game I've played in. Um, the fans were great. The atmosphere was great. You had a you had a proposal. I heard you had uh, the mascot dropping down from the ceiling. All kinds of fun stuff. It was uh, it was a wild time. It was great. What about that dude that sank the almost half quarter in the first promo that they ever really? did? Too? I don't know how you guys were that watching too. that, but people lost it when that happened. Three, I mean, three flights for a year or something like that. I don't know exactly <laughs> what it was, but unreal. Yeah, no, it was phenomenal. Obviously, got the win at the end of it too, which was uh, it's always great. Your first game, organization did everything amazing from the ground up, and. We as the players were able to uh, to come through in the end as well for for the fans and the organization and just everyone here in the city of Winnipeg. You know, I talked with another number of people involved with the team um, after the game and really over the last couple of days. Um, and with all the hard work that goes into setting something like this up and getting it going, you never know how it's going to be. I mean, I don't think anyone that 
is involved with the Sea Bears could be much more happy the way that it started. And of course, the win was 100%. almost a cherry on top um, from a business standpoint. But let me ask you I mean, you've played in this league before, you're a well traveled professional. What did you think about um, you know seeing the Sea Bears in game action for the first time, and uh, what you and your teammates were able to do? I mean, how did you uh, how do you assess the team's performance overall? Um, obviously, after most importantly putting up a tick in the dub column. Um, I think there were some some growing pains at the beginning. I think everyone in there saw it. Everyone on both teams were were going through it. Right, it's a the short training camp in this league. It's a short season, so coming together, you got to be on point and ready to go. But, uh, but after that first half, um, we were locked in team was playing really well together. Um, all the guys are great. One through one through 10 that dressed that night are, are phenomenal. So, um, just being able to come together and, and get it going for that second half. I, I know the fans all saw it was really exciting. Um, and I told our coach too, right? Like we were going into the, the end there with the what 12, 14 point lead. We had to make it a little exciting for the fans, make it a little close. You can't just can't just have a blowout on the first night, right? So, um, so it was great. Obviously, uh, it was cool. made it a little too close, but uh, but coming out with the win, first night, first game ever was was a great experience and just set the tone for for us and the team for the season coming up. Well, everything was uh, was coming up, Sea Bears, and everyone was chipping in too. And I guess part of that was the fact that. Um, Listen, you got a couple chintzy fouls called on. I'm not <laughs> sure. Weird. I thought after the fourth one, you were considering potentially choke slamming the referee a la the big show of the WWE. I mean, I, mean, I don't know it's... what happened. Like, what did he say? <laughs> what What was that call even? Um, there were there were a couple tough ones, but you got to remember, right? Like, uh, this is this is the ref's first game too, right? Yeah. And the referees are human, just like us. They're walking in there, ten thousand screaming people. They they they're they're trying to be on point. They're trying to make the right call on every play. And you get two big bodies like myself and and Nick Ward, who's played in the NBA for a couple of years on, on the bandits there. And you should, you got to let us play, right? We're both 270, 280 pounds. You, you let the big boys play when they're out there. So, so they're, they're getting used to it though. They're getting used to the pace of the league, just the physicality. And, and I think everyone is right. It's not, it's not university basketball. It's very similar to the NBA, NBA style. you got a lot of guys from, the NBA from the G League from high level Europe playing in it, so it's different style to ref too, right? Well, absolutely, and I mean uh, the reason why I brought it up was because of you know the situation of the game. I mean those fouls brought you right off the court, and you know other guys need to step up, and you need to have two Canadians have that, right? on yeah. it the whole time, and guys did it. And listen, I mean from one Winnipeg guy to another. I've got to ask you about what you thought of Simon Hildebrand's first game in pro ball. I mean, when you were in foul trouble, he came out and played. I think he ended up playing about 27 or 28 minutes in the game uh, and making some big, big shots. Like, I I don't know whether I was naive, but I didn't think some of the younger U sports players would even have the opportunity to make that much of a difference. But I guess we saw why he was the rookie of the year in Canada last year. What a performance by the young Winnipegger. Yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal talent, right? And he just his position being a six foot nine, less of a, a big body post player, more of a, a shooter wing type player. He's going to cause matchup problems the entire season. And you definitely have a few U sports players um, just in the past few years that have come in and given 10, 15, 20 minutes to uh, two teams in when they need it, right? And Simon's going to be huge for us all year. He's proven that he can 
play at this level from day one in practice to obviously the first game there. So just having a, having a guy like that and a young guy like that, a special talent and being able to, to come in, play, get minutes, he's going to be, he's going to be uh, really, 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 really good to look at really, really good to watch for not only the Seabers, but uh, when he goes back to university of Manitoba this fall. Well, I know Kirby uh, Shep was uh, on a flight at 6 AM uh, to Egypt on, uh, on Sunday. But I did fire off him a text. I said, your boy Simon's looking pretty darn good. And uh, listen, he was pretty excited about him and not, and knows what a great player he is. But this sort of experience for Simon Hildebrand, um, for uh, some of the other players that still have U Sports eligibility, yeah. th- this is going to be incredible for those players' development, I would imagine, to be able to 100%. play at this level, have these sort of challenges, to be around seasoned professionals like yourselves and not uh, – Listen, if uh, game one was any indication, some of these young guys are going to have a real opportunity to contribute on a regular basis too. Yeah, and then they're gonna they're gonna just build that right into a great professional career as well. You got guys like Thomas Kennedy who was with the Windsor Lancers and he played um, three years in the CBL. This is his, I think, fourth year coming up now, and he was Player of the Year in U Sports this year and. Uh, a lot of that I, I know comes from just being around pros and building his game up during during his off technical off season, right? Which is now turned into another twenty games. You're playing almost as many games as you played during a regular university season. So it's uh, yeah, can't say enough about that partnership there. And Mike Morielli, uh, CBL commissioner, mm-hmm. did a great job in uh, in setting that up and and impacting these these young guys and helping them to uh, develop their pro careers early. Chad Postumus of the Winnipeg Sea Bears, one and zero after a season and franchise debut win over Vancouver at a sold out Canada Life Center on Saturday. Joining us now on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So, Chad, let's talk about the end of the game. You did allude to it a little bit. You guys had a sort of a, a nice cushion when we got to the target score. Uh, it got a little got a little tight there, though. Um, a dicey for sure. It, a, a little dicey, but. Uh, some big defensive plays, I think, was really what sort of steadied the club. Take us through, though, the winning basket, uh, the first ever winning basket in Seabears history that uh, you authored. Yeah, it's a, it's a game of runs, right? And obviously with the target score there at the end of the game, wiping the clock off and and both teams having to reach the score that's added on there, um, it gives gives the other team an opportunity to kind of come back and it's a game within a game itself, right? And the team that wins is the team that usually continues to do what they've been doing all game, um, whether that's the team on the winning side or whether that's the team on the losing side, right? If you've been playing one way, you got to change it up. If not, keep doing what you're doing. Um, we kind of got a little, little excited, I guess you could say there, wanted to get those shots up and maybe be the hero or maybe make it easy on us and just cruise past it. But uh but at the end of the day, I just keep doing what I'm doing, rebounding, being in there, mucking it up, right? And uh, was able to fortunately come up with uh, with a big rebound there and put it in right at the end. Um, uh, we had yeah. Coach Taylor with us on, um, and again, you can see some of the videos. I threw one out. I mean, it seemed like everyone. That's the coolest thing about these rules, like these FIBA rules, is that you know that you know if this goes in, it's over. It's every curtain. game ends I mean, in a game winner. Yeah, <laughs> every game ends in a game winner. It was really cool to see that the first time. Uh, we had Coach Mike Taylor on, I guess last week or so, leading into the home opener. And I'd never spoken with Mike before. I think myself and everyone here watching the show was really impressed with 
the energy that he brought to the program, and you could really feel that watching him on the bench. Um, what did the coach have to say about uh, game number one for the Sea Bears? Uh, how did uh, how did he look at things when you guys broke it down afterwards? <laughs> yeah, I can't say enough good things about uh, Coach Taylor. He's a he's a phenomenal talent. Um, brings in a great positive energy and a great just basketball sense and just a wealth of knowledge to to every practice, every game, every situation. He brought he called a couple timeouts there, kept us calm. Um, got us ready, prepared. Hey guys, this is this is our game. We're gonna do this right. Put us in the right positions, and uh, and then yeah, just at the end of it, followed the plan, stuck with it, and came up with the win. And then yeah, just being excited for me. Um, obviously, being a local guy and able to kind of seal the deal there. We had a, a special moment after the game, but uh, but yeah, really good. Um, can't say enough good things. We've got a lot in store for the season. Really excited to uh, to see what we can do with the. Uh, these next two road games coming up this weekend. And then obviously once we're back at home next week here in uh, Winnipeg again. How, uh, how did uh, the fellas celebrate win number one? What'd you guys do after the game, after uh, getting the, uh, the W in the books? We had a, uh, we had a good old, uh, we had an organization and team party. We kind of went to shark club. There was set up by uh, David Asper, the, the owner of the team here. Um, everybody was there. It was a great environment, just food, couple drinks, nothing too crazy. Just kind of, it's a big, I mean, as a player, right, you always want to get that first win and it comes down to our performance, whether that's going to happen on and off the court. But I know everybody, uh, one through one through 10, you got um, all every all our media operations, everybody, they they did a great job. And it's a big sigh of relief after that that first one. Right. So it was it was a good time. No, it, it, I imagine it was a great time for everybody there. Um, Chad, so uh, what's the week like for you guys? Practicing right now, getting ready to uh, get in the bird and uh, head on the road and try and add to the uh, total in the wind column. Yeah, we haven't had a day off since we started, so we're going to keep it that way, keep it rolling. Um, no days guys off. Are, guys are all feeling good, so we'll, we'll keep it going like that and, and uh, see where we can go. But, yeah, we head out to Toronto tomorrow. We've got a couple games out there. Um, and then we'll be we'll be back next week. Oh yeah, back to back. That's right. And then the next, and then you guys are actually getting out to uh, Vancouver as well before that next game. And then uh, what is it, the tenth or the twelfth of June? Twelfth, yeah. Next home game against the Edmonton Stingers, who are zero yeah, and two. Um, four away games in there. <laughs> hey, well, you know what? And then uh, and then we'll feast at home after uh, hopefully yes, getting sir. some wins on the road. Just before we go, um, we've talked a lot about the environment, the atmosphere, the game on Saturday. Uh, we've heard it from a lot of folks that were there. But as captain of the team and a Winnipeg guy, what message do you want to get to people that maybe weren't at the game? Uh, why they should come out and check out the Winnipeg Sea Bears and uh, be a part of what you guys started on Saturday night? I mean, if you haven't seen the uh, any of the videos or just the photos yet from Canada Life there, um, I don't want to knock any other organizations in the city because they're all top class. But the, the word on the street is it was uh, it was the best show in town that Winnipeg seen in a while. So if you don't want to be a part of that uh, thousand person lineup that was there at the game trying to get tickets that were sold out uh, last Saturday, you better get them early for uh, our next game, June 12th, and then. I think our next weekend home game is June 23rd. So I know that one, we're looking to sell out that one again for sure. But uh, but it's, it's going to be fun. All the games are a great time, great experience for for everyone. Kids, family, everybody. It's, uh, it's awesome. So come on out.
Uh, it was an absolute blast, and uh, the best part about it was uh, you getting the winner. Chad, congratulations on a great debut it. to Thank everyone you. in the organization, but especially to the players. Good luck on the road, and uh, we'll look forward to getting back to CLC for some more Sea Bears hoops when uh, you yes, guys sir. get back off the road. We'll see you out there. Thank you much. Thanks Take it easy, me. dude. There it is, Chad Posthumus with the winner for the Sea Bears and their historic first win on Saturday. Great to have the big guy back, and uh, great to see how fired up he was after that winner and um as i said i mean that the that rebirth of pro basketball in manitoba and in winnipeg it couldn't have gone any better um and the fans were a massive part of that everyone that stepped up and showed up for that game um and then the guys got the job done too i mean that was the one thing that we didn't know i mean how good was this team going to be you know would they be able to get it done and they certainly did and it was really exciting as well so Big shout out to our friends at the Sea Bears and Chad in particular for uh, for the big win. All right, um, I've got some great news, folks, for Winnipeg Blue Bomber fans and fans of Little Brown Jug. It's big news, and it's blue and gold. Little Brown Jug is excited to announce the beginning of a multi-year partnership with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, naming Little Brown Jug as an official partner. The partnership will bring Little Brown Jug's flagship product, 1919, to Investors Group Field and allow Bomber fans to enjoy their favorite Manitoba beer while they cheer on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, Listen, I've talked to Kevin Seltz, the uh, founder of Little Brown Jug. He, uh, obviously, everyone there just so excited to highlight their flagship product and reach fans across Manitoba through this partnership. There is, and I know the Bombers have done a good job in the last couple of years of having a few local options. Well, now we've maybe got the best local option in Little Brown Jug. So 1919 available at IG Field this season. Cop it on Friday for the preseason game and the following Friday for the home opener. Of course, you can get the generic lager 1919 and more at the ballpark right now with the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. And it's all waiting for you down at the brewery and tap room on William Avenue and make sure to make plans to get out on that beautiful patio. Go to littlebrownjug.ca for more info, but keep an eye out for 1919 at IG Field beginning on Friday. Uh, I got to give a shout out to our friends at Breezy Bend Memorial this week on the PGA Tour. We'll get to that tomorrow in the lock shop. Of course, Emmanuel Grillo won on the weekend after that bizarre Bizarre 18th hole where his ball went into a creek and didn't stop for about five minutes. Uh, But Breezy's in beautiful shape right now. They're doing the finishing touches on the two new holes that are opening a little later on this year. Uh, It really is one of Manitoba's top private clubs. Great junior men's and ladies programs. Practice facility and the best 19th hole around. They do have a waiting list for next year right now. So if you'd like to get on it, you can give them a call. Talk to Corey Johnson, our good friend, the GM, at 895-7205 or find out more online at breezybend.ca about getting on that waiting list for next year. Uh, i got to give a shout-out to Pitt and the gang at Aikens Lake, uh, already pulling some big ones out of the water out at Aikens. If you are looking for a world-class fishing experience, whether it be for a corporate event or a friends and family trip, taking your big customers um, no need to go far away. You can be on the water in less than two hours, uh, really in paradise at Aikens. And as great as the fishing is, the hospitality 
of the Turin family and everyone at the Aikens team is that much better. Find out more at AikensLake.com or hit pit up on Twitter at AikensLake to find out about availability <clears throat> for the rest of the year. And we are going to get to our cool bet picks in a minute, but uh, the uh, and, and race picks as well. Don't forget, Gold Eyes on the road this week, but they're back at home starting another homestand a week from today. We're going to settle on a date or two for a couple of Winnipeg Sports Talk group nights. If you want to join us down at the ballpark, we'll work on a deal for everyone and get them all in and around the same area, probably near Craft Beer Corner, one of our favorite spots to hang out at the ballpark. Uh, and don't forget the next fireworks night if you want to bring the fam out. It's actually next weekend. Bomber home opener on Friday and then Métis night with fireworks on Saturday, June 10th. Um, so make your plans right now to get out to the Gold Eyes and go to goldeyes.com for more information on ticket availability and packages for the upcoming season. All right, let's get Remus back in here. Remo, great stuff with Mike and, of course, Patty. And uh, we had Patty the Batty and then Chatty the Batty posthumous back on the program. And, uh, man, it was great to talk to him after uh, a historic win and what a big role he had. You could just tell how geeked he was to be a part of that and have the role that he did and bringing pro hoops back and scoring the winning basket in his first game in his hometown. Yeah, the big sea bear, as Coach Mike Taylor <laughs> called him. Awesome to see him put home the basket, and I love that target score. You're always having a walk-off win, and uh, they had that big lead, Sea Bears, but shout out to Vancouver, made it close, and uh, just made it more exciting. He's right, made it more exciting, and everyone was going crazy, so... Uh, he did mention the next, you know, the next home game, June 12th, but the next weekend home game, Friday, June 23rd, against the Saskatchewan Rattlers. We know the oh. Bombers rivalry with the Rough Riders. It's a big rivalry. What, what about Sea Bears Rattlers? You think that's going to be be up there? Well, Rattlers we'll suck. Just sounds like riders suck. You know, I think yeah. that I think fans <laughs> are going to really easily be able to get into that rivalry. Uh, between the uh, between the two clubs, and I think actually they might be. Let me just see here the CEBL schedule because they had another. It was another opener last night. Um, Edmonton and Calgary that was on Saturday, and tonight it's Ottawa, and then uh, tonight oh tonight both Ottawa and Calgary um, against the Niagara River Lions. I'd love to get on AJ uh, to talk about, uh, I think he's doing the call for the Ottawa Blackjacks, and he's been involved with the league before, much like Mo has. And then, oh, Saskatchewan. They've got their first game Wednesday, and they're hosting the Vancouver Bandits, who just lost to the Seabears right now. So, yeah, we're learning more about the league. As far as the home team, hit it out of the park with that game. Uh, and, again, yeah. next Seabears action, if you want to get tickets, is on the 12th of June. And then that weekend game, as uh, Chad mentioned, the 23rd. Um, I don't think it's going to make a big difference whether it's weekday or weekend. I mean, in fact, sometimes in the summer, you're almost at a deficit ream with the weekend because some people are away right now. Bottom line is, it's going to be a fun couple months watching this team do what they can do. And uh, it was a great, great start, but fun to have Chad back on the show. Yeah, we're learning a lot. And, you know, I like how you met, how he has the local talent like Chad and Simon Hildebrand was with U of M, and I was talking with someone in Ottawa just before who was saying, you know, Ottawa's got some guys who played for Carlton who was so good in U Sports. So 
Uh, I really like how you have the local talent playing for each team. So this uh, agreement that they reach out with U Sports to have U Sports players in, but also making an impact. I think very cool. So I'm excited to see again more games, how it goes. The merch line, uh, as we saw it at the game, I mean, it was it was crazy. Uh, people are waiting a long time, and the merch is great. So I I'm looking forward to seeing more of that around town and uh, more games. And yeah, they're all again all on TSN Plus on the app. I'm a Fire Stick guy, which I've said on the show. I don't know what everyone else uses. Maybe like the built-in one to your TV if it's on there, or Apple TV, whatever. But they're all on there, and there are national games with Chuck Swirsky. The voice of national CEBL basketball on uh, on TSN, the actual TV channel. Yeah, that is great. And one thing I think it was Doug Phil that mentioned in chat. Hopefully, <clears throat> this exposure to you know high level basketball, as well as someone like Simon Hildebrand, who's already a star with the Bisons playing for the Sea Bears, might actually help get a few more asses in seats for both the Bisons and the Westmen when the season gets going for both the men and the women, for that matter. Um, so anyway, great start overall. Thanks to Chad for coming and, uh, big ups to everyone over at Seabears HQ for their support of the, uh, well, bringing it back and, you know, just putting the show on that, uh, that they did. All right, let's get over to the cool bet lines. There is a new lock shop today and I'm happy to say Remus that the drought is over. I went two and zero last night. I could not win a bet to save my life last week, or really for about the last ten days. I'm just glad that round three is over in both the NHL and the NBA. But I did get Vegas on the money line at plus one twelve, and I did have the Heat plus seven and a half. So I'm back, and we made our series picks today on the Lock Shop. Check out the podcast search Lock Shop wherever you get it, or head on over to our YouTube channel at Lock Shop Bets. What we did talk about was the Stanley Cup final. Game number one's on Saturday in Vegas. Vegas will be a minus 131 favorite. The Panthers plus 112. What I think is a little more interesting is the series prices. And Vegas is minus 135. The Panthers are plus 115 just to win. Uh, do you have a prediction yet, Rima? Have we got yours? Give me what do you um, think. Who and how many... And I'll tell you what the line is for that. I think Vegas, and this is my official prediction, I'm going with Vegas in six. You I'm and I go with that. We are kind of locked Garrett, in. What That's imagine exactly if Gary came on and we today. said, and we said uh, Florida. I wouldn't get invited to his party. Yeah, Matt Locke party. With, the, with the cup. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I already made that pick today on the you lock said, shop. Vegas in six. Oh, really? Getting it on the road. Plus 475 if you like that. The other way to bet that, too, is Vegas in six or less, which is basically a series spread minus one and a half. Uh, that is plus 153. Um, so anyways, it's all up there. If you like Florida, you're getting an even better number uh, and all sorts of uh, all sorts of other props involved, and I'm sure there'll be more as we go. Did they NBA have, playoffs. I was going to say, do they have Con Smythe? We never really talked about our Con Smythe. I don't know if they – do they have that or They're no? They're not up right now, but that probably will be up, I would say, in the next day or so. One thing that they do have, though – is NHL draft and Adam Fantilli is supposed is basically minus 500 to be the second overall pick. It's interesting to hear more scuttlebutt, but potentially Leo Carlson coming out of the world championships, despite how good Fantilli looked in that final game. Um, 
be interesting to see. Our, our guy, Zach Benson, 30-1 to 1 to the second overall pick. I don't think he will be second overall, but could sneak into the top five or top six. Has the fifth highest odds, or fifth lowest odds, I guess, to be that second overall pick and 25 to one to be the third overall pick. Um, so yeah, if you're a draft, if you're a draft, Nick, like many of us are, you can get on that over as well. NBA playoffs, the final set. It's the heat and the nuggets after the heat crushed Boston in Boston in game seven. What a, I, I picked the heat plus seven and a half. I thought they'd keep it close. I did not see them winning, running away. What a thud after coming back from 3-0 for the Celtics. And no surprise, Reem, that Nikola Jokic, the Joker, and the Nuggets are massive favorites. Minus 385 over the Miami Heat. Heat plus 288. And I'm actually going to take the Nuggets in 4 or 5 at plus 140 in this series. I don't think it's going to be a long one. Imagine grinding all the way back down 3 nothing, Huss, to 7th game. Only to not cover the spread of seven points. That's <laughs> that's got to be tough. You worked so hard for that, but shout out to the Celtics. Gave them a chance. We've never seen a team come back down 3-0 in the NBA. We thought it was going to be history. Uh, it was not. Shout out to the Miami Heat, but everyone seems to think uh, Denver is going to take this one easy. No concerns over Denver's long layoff here, Huss. It's funny how we're like, well... Well, Florida, they're riding this hot wave. Is Bob going to be, you know, cooled off from this break? And I was like, oh, Denver's going to be well-rested. They got Jokic and uh, Jamal Murray. It'll be cool to see him potentially lift the title, another another Canadian. Um, so we'll see. And how about Denver, Huss? Back, you know, no one cares in Denver about the avalanche you know, <laughs> getting out in the first round. They haven't even haven't heard anything about that. Who cares when you have the Nuggets? All the way. So way to go, Nuggets, taking some of the heat off uh, off the avalanche early exit. No, that's uh, that's what good teams do. You know, pick up the uh, slack for the other one. And, uh, hey, they're on the verge of going back-to-back in different sports. Uh, the Memorial Tournaments this weekend. Arnie's home. Scotty Scheffler, the favorite. John Rom, Pat Cantley, Rory McIlroy, Xander Shoffley. It's all up there at CoolBet as well. And we will hit that on tomorrow's Lock Shop if you do like a little sprinkle on the PGA Tour. All right, Reem, before we go, um, what happened last night? I won 11 bucks, so I was down nine. Um, you apparently came up on the positive side of the ledger once again with your picks at Assiniboia okay. Downs. I can't Re- believe this. Remember yesterday when I tried to read my Triactor box and I couldn't spit it out because I couldn't yeah. read? I couldn't read the uh, number. I, it was on the screen that's too small. So race five, uh, two to four tractor box. I hit that one. A dollar bet, well, it was a six dollar bet. Paid uh, twenty five, thirty five. So I hit that. Also hit my four dollar winner. Race six horse two. I knew this horse was gonna win. I knew it. Uh, impressive sense. I was all over that one. I sniffed that one out. So I was total up. I was up twenty one thirty five yesterday. So we bet twenty dollars every time we do this. I came home with forty one. 35 so i'm up quite i'm up uh i'm up 40 on the year and you're down a bit so i've got a bit of a lead on you yeah i'm gonna need to uh i'm gonna need to come through with a couple of wins tonight uh why don't you roll out your selections right now as we get ready for uh, ready. for tonight's live racing and again tomorrow no live racing 
But as of next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. parade to post to make your plans to get out there. Mm -hmm. I am looking at the weather. It's dark out there. Uh, doesn't, it says rain, 30% chance of rain at 5 p.m., so I, I'm assuming they'll be racing. Um, but anyways, my picks for tonight... Uh, I'm taking. I'm not going with the tractor boxes. I'm going with the winners. I got to pad this lead here. <laughs> Race oh. two, number five, Lady Creative. I have three dollars on Lady Creative. Race three, horse four. That is my boy Lollipop. Four dollar <laughs> winner, and race seven. Horse 5, a $3 winner, Silicon Valley. Great TV show if anyone's looking to uh, binge it. I believe it's on Crave. And this is my horse. I had to go big on this one, Huss. Race 5, horse... No, no, no. Race... Yes, race 5, horse 1, Drizzy. Drizzy. That is my, that's my horse, Drizzy. So I got $10 on Drizzy to win. I'm, I'm, I'm very confident, Drizzy. I'm staring at Drizzy right now, uh, uh, and I do have him on a card. All right, here mine for tonight. Uh, race number one, we're going to put uh, three bucks on number three, Sugar Daddy Jack. Mm -hmm. Great name. Race number two, we're going to do the same thing on number two, Tecate Gold. Uh, and then I've got in... I'm going with two tractor boxes today. Race three, we're going with horses two, four, and five. Club champ, my boy Lollipop, and X Checker. Uh, race number four, we're going to do an exactor box with uh, Frank's Reload and Jerry's Magic Map, one and seven. And then I do have one more. Uh, six dollar triactor and it is race five i will take drizzy i will take tis funny and pucker with pucker. antonio whitehall one five six so uh, there you go there's my 20 for tonight need to hit a couple of these and catch up after a uh not a brutal start but you kind of came out pretty hot and this reminds me of how hot you came out in year one when you won it as opposed to last year when you struggled and uh, I managed to take it. Yeah, la last so yeah, last year, well year one, remember I had no idea what I was doing and I put $20 like day one on one horse and it won. And I had that lead. Last year I uh, got off to a really slow start. I had a hot um, July, I think, and tried to make it up, but it was just too much to be down. So uh, this was fun. I like doing this. I like watching it on YouTube. And we're tuned in for Drizzy. That's our, Drizzy's yeah. our horse. And T, well, Hot Linda, Hot Linda's my horse, as we know, but yeah, we have Hot not Linda. seen Hot Linda available yet so far this year. So, um, anyways, we'll see. Uh, we'll see all about it. Um, should be a good one tonight, uh, and then of course tomorrow, um, a little more. I think now we'll kind of get to a few more off-season topics in and around the Bombers. A little mm -hmm. more CFL talk, getting ready for the kickoff of the season. We touch base with a few friends in some of the other markets. Um, and then, of course, a little later on this week, we might change the schedule a bit. Hoping to have Marat. Is Marat back yet, or is he he's out of town? On? So he may come okay. on late next week. Check his Instagram; he's got some beautiful pictures. 
Um, he's not in for this week, next week, so we'll figure it out. Um, we did have some, I know we got to go, but some quick hockey coaching offseason, the coaching carousel yes. Capitals, hiring Spencer Carberry from the Leafs coaching staff, Predators, firing John Hines today and hiring Andrew Brunette. It was funny, that note came out, I think Kevin Weeks tweeted it. They've hired Andrew Brunette. I'm like, what? Like, and what? Did Hines get fired? Did he get fired? And uh, yes, he did. Barry Trotz did the two and one. Uh, Hines fired today, Andrew Brunette. And then Pierre Lebrun saying the Flames reached out to Gerard Gallant and the Rangers, and also saying Peter Laviolette will meet with the Rangers again. Some other vacancies, the Ducks and the Blue Jackets. And Aaron Portsline said Pascal Vincent, former Jets assistant coach is a candidate to replace Brad Larson in Columbus as head coach, but he's also interviewed with at least one other NHL team. So could we see Pascal Vincent as a head coach this upcoming season? How crazy would that be? Yeah, uh, listen, I think he's going to get a chance at some point. I'm not sure it's right now. I think when you look, I mean, Columbus has really only had success ever with veteran coaches, Hitch and Torts. And I think, you know, at this point with how crucial it is to get this team going in the right direction with where they're at, they probably go with a veteran. Um, but Pascal, I mean, he's in the consideration. His contract does allow him to interview for other head coaching jobs without getting permission from the Blue Jackets. So he's in the mix. That's what you want to be right now. Um, folks, great stuff today. We've got to get these pods up. Thanks to everyone that joined us today on YouTube. Hit that uh, red subscribe button and give us a thumbs up on your way out if you don't mind. Tell a friend about WST. We'll have the latest on the Jets offseason. Bombers heading into the preseason finale at home. Um, and, of course, Sea Bears as well. Great to have Chad Posthumus on the program today. Much more coming up on the Cup Final in the next few days as well as the hockey world gathers in Vegas and South Florida to see who will be holding the Stanley Cup in the next couple of weeks. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for being with us today. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great one tonight, and we'll catch you tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube on WST. Oh, my God! Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.